This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Of course, we'll take your calls about absolutely anything. We'll start things out tonight with a story we mentioned last night, but we didn't get a chance to, uh, to actually get to it. I don't know if you've pulled it up yet, Mark. If not, I have an email that I can share here in the, in the meantime. Go to the email? Yeah. All right. So normally, I don't. I don't really much care for forwarded emails. They just usually just get deleted. Yeah, but, a forwarded e- email, you, know, you got to be careful of what you, what you read. But this one I just thought was uh, was pretty funny, and it's uh, it's relatively short, so I just wanted to share it. <laughs> Here we go. The, it's called the power of a badge. DEI, a DEA officer stops at a it's a joke. Uh, stops at a ranch in Texas and talks with an old rancher. He tells the rancher. I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. The rancher says, okay, but don't go into that field over there, as he points out the location. The DEA officer verbally explodes, saying, Mister, I have the authority of the federal government with me. Reaching into his rear uh, pants pocket, he removes his badge and proudly displays it to the rancher. See this badge? This badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish, on any land. No questions asked or answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? Yes, sir. The rancher nods politely, apologizes, and goes about his chores. A short time later, the old rancher hears loud screams and sees the DEA officer running for his life, chased by the rancher's big Santa Gertrudis bull. With every step, the bull is gaining ground on the officer. and It, seems, it wouldn't take long at all, I can assure you. And it seems likely that he'll get gored before he reaches safety. The officer is clearly terrified. The rancher throws down his tools, runs to the fence, and yells at the top of his lungs, Your badge! Show him your badge! <laughs> <laughs> I told him not to go over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. know, what are you, you going to do with somebody like that, you know? <laughs> I've been holding on to that one for months. I thought that was great. (laughs) All right. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Uh, Otherwise, there's some other uh, news here. Hong Kong remaining the world's freest place to do business, according to the AFP, while the United States has lost its claim to an unrestricted economy, according to an annual uh, report published on Wednesday. Hong Kong, former British colony, which was returned to China in 1997, edged out rival Singapore to claim the top spot for the 16th consecutive year in the 2010 Index of Economic Freedom. Australia and New Zealand grabbed third and fourth spot, respectively. The report's compiled by the Heritage Foundation, a conservative Washington-based think tank, and the Wall Street Journal. Ireland, Switzerland, Canada, the United States, Denmark, and Chile rounded out the top ten list which is based on criteria including economic openness, trade, the efficiency of domestic regulators, and the rule of law. But Canada pushed the U.S. from the top seven economies deemed to have an entirely free economy due to notable decreases in financial freedom, monetary freedom, and property rights, according to the report. The U.S. government's interventionist responses to the financial and economic crises that began in 2008 have significantly undermined economic freedom and long-term prospects for economic growth. 
Mainland China was ranked 140 in the list of 183 countries, with Cuba, Zimbabwe, and North Korea rounding out the bottom of the list. So for the 2010 Index of Economic Freedom, the United States dropping a notch to seventh place. You know, I thought it was seventh place before, but maybe I'm. Yeah, apparently I'm. Apparently it was sixth place yeah. before, but it's it's been you know hovering around there for a, for a little while. And of course, there's also another. Uh, there's the Free the World Foundation, which does a separate yeah. economic uh, freedom of the world report, which doesn't quite rank. The things in the same way, but Hong Kong and Singapore are always one and two, and the United States uh, has – I don't know if the United States has ever been at the top of uh, of any of those reports. Uh, not in a long, not long time. I it seems know. like they were in the top five at one point that we've been doing the show, but I mean – I mean at the top. Yeah. Number one, oh, you can't, no. you can't beat uh, Hong Kong for economic freedom. Just nope. can't do it. Although in Singapore, if you you're not allowed to chew gum, if you drop gum on the street, they're all over you like a cheap suit. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the, clearly. Remember that kid that uh, from it's probably been 20 years now, but he had done some vandalism. An American kid that the did caning. Some, yeah, did That's some vandalism in um. It hasn't. That's like the late 90s, mid to late 90s, maybe mid. Because mm. I mean, I, if it was 20 years ago, I would have been much younger, okay. and I would not have been aware of such a thing. Um. So at least we'll call it uh, 10 to 15 years. Uh, you know, he he did some vandalism over there, and they actually, as I, as I recall, did cane him um, as they would cane anyone else. Now, they do canings all the time, meaning they beat someone with a stick. They do canings all the time in Singapore. They, do, however, don't generally do them to young white boys, and, mm. you know, that was the big deal. Right. And, uh, yeah, you're correct, Wayne, though, that Singapore is very repressive in many ways. However... They're not looking at those. Not. Right. They're not looking at those for this report. Uh, economically, it's one of the freest places in the world, and good for them on that. Yeah. And Hong Kong, uh, of course, a lot of people thought. I, mean, I realize there are probably new people listening that have never heard this before. Uh, a lot of people thought in the late 1990s that Hong Kong was going to go down the tubes. Because, yeah, it was going to back to China in 1999. Right, right. It left British rule, and China took it back over, and they thought, oh, that's it. This is the end. You know, China, evil communists, they're going to ruin Hong Kong, and from all indicators, China has been hands-off when it comes to Hong Kong. And um, they're, they're also going sort of the way of Hong Kong. They're, China mainland, you yeah, mean. Yeah, mainland China. Right. Yeah, I think still there's been some regulations by the mainland to Hong Kong, but very few. But compared to all the other countries who's, who are becoming less free, like the United States and others in Britain, they're still relatively high on, on the scale. But I, I, I don't believe they've improved any in, in economic freedom because China still has has their head their their head over their shoulder about a lot of things. You don't think China's uh, climbed up the list? Uh, China has yes, but oh, what, okay. I, what I'm saying is I think Hong Kong is is slightly less economically free than they were when the British were in control. Maybe so, but they're still more free than everywhere else. So good uh, good for them. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. You know I remember reading a story by somebody, uh, somebody who was either living in Hong Kong or down there for a while visiting. And they were talking about how after the transition, and I'm not sure how many years after, but the Communist Party in China does have offices in Hong Kong, but you have to go and seek them out. They're not going literally, they're literally not going out of their offices and doing much of anything uh, as far as, you know, coercing businessmen and things like that. At least it was the impression that I, you know, received from the story. It was like, yeah, they're there, 
but they're not really doing anything. One would have to assume that they probably put another layer of taxation on the mm-hmm. the, the denizens of, uh, of of Hong Kong, and they're happy taking that layer of taxation. And those those communist officials are happy to live in a free place and collect a paycheck. Yeah, I bet they are. So if you've ever been to Hong Kong, you want to share your stories with us as to what it was like out there, we'd love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. The stories I've read in the past have just been amazing. Uh, One of the more memorable parts for me was where they were talking about how in order to get a job in Hong Kong, even something uh, that we might consider as menial of of a kind of a a career as like waiting tables, kind of a throwaway career – and I'm not. To, that's not to insult people that are professional. Uh, I've wait, done that. Wait staff. Uh, there are people that have made that their career, and that's what they do. But I think they would admit they'd be the first people to admit that the restaurant industry has a significantly high level of turnover, and most people that become uh, wait staff are just trying to get go somewhere else in life. So, just to be a waiter in Hong Kong, you have to know multiple languages. I mean, just to give you an idea of the the amount of competition that exists for, uh, for in the marketplace for for jobs, there was was pretty amazing. I mean, wh- you, if you told somebody in America that they had to know two languages to wait tables, I mean, they'd call the Minutemen. Yeah. Right, it, it'd be uh, <laughs> a revolt. They would freak out. I mean, that's not what America's about. This is an English-speaking country. What? So over in Hong right, Kong, God knows that you wouldn't want to serve customers. Yeah, it's uh, it's completely different over there. Anyway, very interesting stuff. 800-259-9231. Mark, you've got the uh, the story we've been waiting on. All right, good. Uh, man who was, I believe it's man, diabetic shock. No, it wasn't diabetic. It was a seizure, right? Yeah, was, well, what's um, going on? yeah, he was diabetic. Uh, yes, he was having a diabetic uh, okay. seizure, and they tasted the heck out of it. Yeah, this isn't the first time it's happened either. We'll uh, give you the story here in a few moments at 800-259-9231. And then government health care. We'll talk about that for a bit. Of course, we'll take your calls about anything. You can bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the Libertarian Wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including the Shrine of Female Listeners, brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. Go to the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. You'll see the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. He's the enemy of the state. He's the agent of the sovereign individual. He's Tad Galahad, Freedom Engineer. The Anarcho-Capitalist Adventure Series is complete. Read it for free at peaceprosper.com and help Ben Woods to construct Catalixia. Peaceprosper.com. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. So last night we mentioned a story about a tasering, and it's not just your average tasering, and it's 
It's bad enough when people get tasered these days because the police tend to use it, uh, this particular tool, for uh, obedience purposes when it was originally intended, as I understood it, to be used in place of uh, deadly weapons. So if you've got somebody that's dangerous and out of control, uh, that's putting the officers or other people in jeopardy, then you pull the taser on that person to take them down as opposed to shooting them with uh, you know, a, a projectile that could kill them or, sure. hitting, or hitting them with a billy club because the billy club yeah. used to be the first line of defense right, right. um and i i think some officers probably and some departments probably still do carry billy clubs but they absolutely do the you would you would think that and i've seen situations where they shoot people with knives um you know on the news that kind of thing you, and what do you do with that what does this police officer supposed to do shy of a taser uh, you know, if somebody has a knife and they're coming in the media vicinity, that's what the taser was meant to handle situations just like that. Right. But it's expanded, of course, as of government course. programs tend to do, is that they expand far beyond their original intentions. And it's now being used as a pain compliance device in that if an officer doesn't like you giving him lip or whatever, for whatever reason the uh, the officer decides, he can just, if you don't do what he demands you do, yeah, he'll whip quickly. out the taser and use it on you, which of course has dramatically increased the incidence of officers using tasers on people, which the incidence going, uh, the increasing of the incidence leads to more tragic circumstances, for instance, uh, people dying of heart attacks, things like that, some of the side effects that can happen as a result of uh, being tased. And, of course, we've seen video after video of just harmless people that in no way whatsoever presented a threat to the police being tasered, uh, in many cases caught on the, the police's own dashboard cams. Sometimes it's old people. Sometimes it's uh, octogenarians yeah. that are getting tasered. It's I mean, crazy. It's really just insane but i think the most insane of all of the tasering stories has to be where they're tasering sick people yeah they go after people with seizures they don't really you know a lot of these police officers are untrained in the uh, in this area and it's uh, you know it, it, seizures look different in different people this isn't an easy area but it just goes to show how quickly these people go to the taser is they see somebody having a seizure who's clearly not hurting anyone although different seizures do uh, you know look different and they taser them. So what happened in this story? So this is from uh, we took it. I took it from uh, the website free talk uh, from our website freetalklive.com from our little list of news stories there that our listeners uh, participate in and put up. But it's from Courthouse News Service. That's uh, courthousenews.com. A suburban Chicago police officer tasered a man eleven times while he was having a diabetic seizure, and the fifty-six seconds. Jeez. Needlessly inflicted electric shock inflicted <laughs> while he was lying unresponsive on the floor of his bedroom permanently scarred him and caused him neurological damage that has not abated, the man claims in Chicago federal court. In Pro- his bedroom, even. Yeah, um, this gets complicated. You'll have to stick with the names here. So, uh, okay. you know, stick with me here. Prospero Lassie says he suffered a di- um, di- diabetes-induced induced seizure at home on February the 9th. His uh, roommate called 911, and the police from LaGrange Park and Brookfield responded with EMTs from LaGrange Park. Why are they sending the police out to respond to somebody who's having a medical emergency? It happens all the time. They, they, just, they just do. You know, they... They, Seems they like go. a terrible idea. Well, they don't look at the police as dangerous. They look at the police right. as everything they do is right, just, pure, brave, and valorous. Mm. That's how they see it. 
Um, Lassie said, that's the, the victim here, says his roommate explained to the police that he was having a diabetic seizure. Lassie was not alert and could not move his body. When the EMTs asked the cops to help move Lassie from oh, where boy. he was lying on the floor, Lassie says one of his arms flailed during his diabetes-induced seizure, striking one of the LaGrange and Brookfield defendants. At no time did Mr. Lassie intentionally strike or offensively touch any of the LaGrange or Brookfield defendants. Lassie says LaGrange Park officer Darren Podata responded by tasering him 11 times. So wait, 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 a point of information. You said that they didn't. He didn't strike any defendants. You mean the police? The the, the police are defendants in this case. Oh, they're suing. They're suing yes. the police. Oh, okay, I, mean, I might have missed that point. So he from he Courthouse flailed News. his com. he flailed his arm. He was in in the midst of a diabetic seizure. Didn't actually hit any of the police. Oh, I, I believe he did actually um, striking one of the Lagrange and Brookfield defendants, but it did not intentionally strike or offensively touch. I see. Okay. And he Sorry. tasered him, uh, the, the officer, this is Darren Podata, uh, responded by tasering him 11 times for nearly a minute as he lay helpless on the floor. My gosh. So he probably got jostled real good. Can you imagine, like, the arm swings up, catch you, catches you on the side of the face right alongside the nose or something yeah. like that? And I've been hit like that by somebody intentionally, not, you know, surely things like that have happened to me uh, accidentally. I know they have. And I've been upset. Like, immediately upset. Yeah. But, you know, somebody who doesn't have – my wife did it, as I recall, one time, um, accidentally struck me in the face. And uh, actually, her thumb went into my eye oh, socket. Oh, wow. Right. So I was very upset very quickly. But I didn't beat the crap out of my wife. What did she do? What What did I do or what did she do? What did you do to make her – No, she wasn't she, – she, she was, like, moving her arm or something like that. It was just completely accidental. Oh, wow. Um, you come up behind her. She flips her arm something, up. Something. I can't even remember. I, I I remember it was in the bedroom in, at an old oh, house. Right. Intentions matter, right? I mean, mm. if the cops are on a scene with a dangerous suspect who is, you know, high on PCP, then you know, there's some there are different intentions involved as opposed to a man who's suffering from a diabetic seizure. Just real quick before you go on with the story, according to uh, the Internet, at ehow.com, symptoms of diabetic seizures can include violent convulsions, twitches, jerks, and rigidness in the muscles. It can affect a person's behavior, sense of awareness, or overall sensation, and cause involuntary body movements. In addition, can also cause numbness in certain parts of the body and a loss of muscle tone, according to Isles of Hope, Islets, isletsofhope.com. Uh, so this is pretty common. Uh, during a diabetic seizure, you're going to have somebody spastically possibly flailing yep. arms i've actually heard of people standing up and sort of like marching in a weird fashion with a, in a diabetic seizure hmm. so i mean you know things these, things like these happen these and, cops knew they were being called to a medical emergency they didn't yeah. think they were being called to somebody who was beating their wife or something like that well he was on the floor they knew they were moving a man yeah. who couldn't even move yes they absolutely knew all of this he got smashed in the face and i think he reacted you know it seems to me you've got oh what a surprise a cop with an anger management problem Problem. He comes back, steps back, pulls out his taser, and shoots him 11 times, 56 seconds the neck, long. The, the other officers should have done the same thing to him. There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free 
Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They are yours for free right on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. And I mentioned Manchester Brewing earlier. At Manchester Brewing, they realize that you have many beer choices, but so does uh, but does your beer make you bulletproof and invisible? We don't think so. Manchesterbrewing.com. So we continue here with uh, the story from is Illinois, is that right, Mark? It's from Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Well, it's Chicago land, I guess is the way to describe it. The sprawling suburbs of Chicago. Yes, that's, that's what they refer to it. So somebody had a diabetic shock, uh, that uh, diabetic seizure that he was going through. His roommate called 911, as people have been trained to do, which is a good idea generally when uh, you, know, you need emergency care, unless you happen to have a private ambulance service that you can subscribe to. Most cases, most people don't have that. Uh, so they called 911 and they sent out the ambulance and unfortunately decided to send along some police. I don't know why. Maybe it's because in Chicago, ambulance people have been sent places and been, uh, I don't know, attacked. Maybe they maybe it's just common to it's to common send the in many uh, metropolitan areas to send cops with, uh, you know, on medical calls. Uh, OK, metropolitan areas, because I've never really seen police traveling with uh in my time at least i've well, never seen the police traveling along with a i don't uh, know what they did in sarasota florida i can tell you what they they do in my town here and they don't send a cop well right. they don't have one well around here they they have cops in in Keene, but uh nonetheless i don't live in Keene. right it's a socialist stronghold so <laughs> nonetheless they showed up this guy was having a diabetic shock attack and that means that he is likely to possibly lash out. He's not intending to hurt anybody. He's just convulsing. Rolling around and doing stuff. Twitching, jerking, having rigidness in the muscles, uh, possibly involuntary body movements. And so this is pretty common with diabetic shock. And the EMTs were trying to transport him from, uh, he was in his bedroom at the time, presumably out into the truck. And they asked the police for assistance. It was at that point that the young man flailed an arm and apparently hit one of the cops. Was it in the head where uh, where he hit the I, cop? I'm only making an assumption oh, here. So you don't even know. Right. Okay. It, doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says, just so it could have just hit him in the arm for all we know. We don't know. We this, could. Right. He flails I'm, I make, his arm. I, I'm trying to imagine myself in this circumstance as best I could. And, and I have been struck in the face accidentally in life before. And I found it shocking. Yeah. But, um, you know, in all of those circumstances, I did not uh, beat the offending individual into a pulp. Which this guy pulls his taser out, steps back, and hits this guy 11 times with a taser for right. a total of 56 seconds. For a full minute. And it's... Uh, That's like, a long right. time. So it's one thing for this guy to pull out and react, pull out the taser, react, and shoot the guy uh, with the taser. That's that's bad. Um, to continue doing it is worse. But I think that the very worst are the the EMTs, and and the very very worst is the cop standing there with another taser that lets this maniac, this madman, continue. The the, the cop should have taken, you know, Darren, uh, Officer Pedrada, stop immediately. And if he doesn't do it, hit him with a taser. Take him down. He's clearly a madman. Isn't it, isn't out of it, control. Isn't it logical that maybe this cop was picked on a lot as a kid? 
I don't. I, I, you, I, know. I, you know, it's 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 speculation. People say that about some police officers. I don't know, but many this cops guy's, were bullies. When this they guy's were kids clearly, um, uh, you know, not qualified to be carrying a taser. So, what, uh, just a quick question before you go on with the story: Was the cop that did the tasing of a higher rank than the other officer, perchance? It says officer. Officer. So just the lowly, lowly officer. Yeah. Okay. Let's continue. Um, the victim, uh, this is Lassie, uh, was hospitalized for five days and was unable to work for three months because of the attack. Jeez. This quality of life has suffered substantially. These are um, allegations in the court case. And You're not supposed to hit somebody with a taser for that long. It, one, no, no, one, no. That's why it's one. It, it should have been administered one time. Right. One but hit from a he taser. He probably wasn't getting the reaction he wanted the because the guy being, was already having a diabetic seizure. Right. The reaction being he wanted him to stop. To stop flailing or to right. stop doing anything. Or to scream in pain or when, something. Well, right. When you when you hit somebody, it's my understanding, when you hit somebody with a taser, they lose their control of their motor functions and they, you know, essentially fall to the ground. And so if this guy is continuing to have a diabetic uh, attack after the tasers, after he's been hit with the taser, then the cop was probably confused or whatever. Or maybe just so angry he just didn't even think. Maybe just kept squeezing the trigger. Who knows what was going through his crazy uh, mind at that moment. No, I don't know. So it says, no time did Mr. Lassie do anything to warrant the use of force against him. Mm -mm. Mr. Lassie was never cited, arrested, or charged with any crime. Wow, not even assault on a police officer after all that, huh? Seeks punitive damages for battery, excessive force, and failure to intervene. Uh, I hope he gets it. Well, if he gets it, then it's just the taxpayers of, uh, of these towns. I hope that, he gets it from the officer's paycheck, and we it, know that's going to happen. The officer probably got a commendation for this. I mean, this it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm exaggerating. I don't know what happened in this circumstance. Probably did not get it. This is, it has happened that officers have gotten commendations. Usually after you have to kill the guy to get brutal commendation. Brutal attacks. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it's, so that's it. So it's it, there's a lawsuit pending. He wasn't charged with anything, but spent five days in the hospital and was unable to work after that. Yeah, well, for, for three months, yeah. So. That's crazy. It's it's a nutty story. And it's, and it's not the only one. I, I pointed out at the beginning of this, there have been a, at least a couple of stories that we've shared with you, and that, that means there may be more than uh, you know that didn't come across our desks. But there have been at least a couple of stories. The first one, as I recall, was a man that was, I believe, even a school principal, so a, a bureaucrat himself, uh, was driving and he felt the onset of a seizure coming and i believe it was also a di- yeah it was a di- he was a diabetic and he felt the he felt it coming on he pulls into a, a convenience store parking lot and puts his car in park and proceeds to have himself his uh, diabetic seizure there uh, in his car some clerk in the convenience store calls the police to bring them out here for whatever reason i don't remember cuz maybe the guy was parked there for a while not sure but the the police come out, and after this guy is unresponsive to their demands of get out of the car, blah, 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 they bust the window in on the car, pull him from the driver's seat over. I think it was over top of the uh, the other uh, passenger seat or something like that. But either way, they pull yep. him through the broken window and then proceed to beat the living hell out of him. All the while, he has his diabetic. Uh, insulin kit right there well i i I, that that story was shocking to me at the time and i found it outrageous and um you know that's that that much is true the police officers clearly didn't do a heck of a lot of uh police work there but in this case they didn't have to the roommate said he's having a diabetic seizure the emt asked the officer please help me move the man who's having a diabetic seizure and then the officer gets 
uh, you know, swacked somehow by the guy's flailing arm, and then stands up and unloads his taser Crazy. eleven times on the dude. Yeah. This guy, this it's guy doesn't need to be um, have his badge and gun taken away. He needs to be thrown in prison. This was abs. I yeah. mean, this was. Uh, you're this right. Is you're aggravated right, battery. He deserves five years in the slammer. Yeah, you're and absolutely right. As far as right. I'm concerned, he should get no protective custody. Because it, you're, you're, it's a good point that you're making here. Because in the other cases, the police officers were coming onto a scene not knowing what was happening. Not that that excuses what they did in the other case, but you're right. They they absolutely knew what was going on in this particular case, and they still behaved in this violent, dangerous. Uh, crazy fashion especially when you when you want to assume that they're peace officers they're supposed to be keeping the peace not they're not supposed to be aggressing against people for having diabetic seizures well welcome to the welcome to uh you know the police force right i mean the, these hotheads are quite common out there That's thankfully they're not all that bad not all of them are that dangerous but you never know it's a crapshoot you call 911 you never know what maniac with a badge and a gun's going to show up at your front door you know, if it's just a regular person having a bad day, it doesn't really matter because you there's there's no redress of grievance. You just can't get it. When it comes to police officers, it has to be something this crazy for it to go, you know, to court. And and like you say, if they're if they uh, do find in the favor of the guy that's suing, it'll be the taxpayers that pay. The officer himself will not have any kind of financial penalty attached to him. He won't have to be taking a chunk out of his paycheck to make this man whole again. More coming up. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. And if you like the show, you enjoy the fact that the website is free, well, then you can voluntarily contribute to us. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. If you send in three bucks a month, we'll uh, not only give you some perks, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP forum the Emily podcast and more you'll also feel good because you're helping free talk live get on more radio stations around the country bring more internet listeners on board and expose new people to the ideas of freedom go to amp.freetalklive.com you can jump on board with any major credit card some alternative options we can also accept paypal so head to amp.freetalklive.com we go to your phone calls matt is on the line in illinois you're on free talk live hello matt good evening guys hey what's on your mind tonight uh, you were talking about these, this uh, diabe- uh, diabetic victim. Yes. And I just wanted to point out, I, I grew up in LaGrange, and I spent like the first 20 years of my life there. It is a very well-to-do area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the most well-to-do area, but it's, it's a very well-to-do area. So this happened in a place where, you know, when, when people think of the American dream, they kind, they kind of think about this type of place. Hmm. And there's people out there who think that, yeah, this kind of thing might happen, but it only happens in in big cities and stuff like that. And I, I just want to point out that it doesn't matter how well off you are, uh, you know, how upper middle class you are. This kind of thing is happening in in these kind of areas now. It's 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 police police brutality is happening 
everywhere. It's, it's endemic in the system. It's an interesting point, though. I think it's still fair to say that if you are upper, you're in an upper crust uh, neighborhood, you're probably a little less likely to have such things occur. I would have thought that this kind of thing, I mean, two, three years ago, I would have thought that this kind of thing could never happen in an area like LaGrange, LaGrange Park. And when you start hearing about it happening in, in those kind of areas, it really makes you start to wonder. So um, hmm. I, I would say that it's, it's probably a lot like Keene, uh, LaGrange, LaGrange Park. I think Mark, Mark could. Uh, well, there's some probably... bad parts of uh, there's some bad parts of Keene. I mean, I mean, it's not bad well, like a city bad kind of bad, but there's some you know there's some crime here. There's some the occasional stabbing and uh, there's a lot of her- heroin and uh, cr- there's some there's some crack addicts and a lot of heroin addicts, a lot of cocaine users up here. So they they deal with theft and things like that. There's that in uh, nicer towns too. Right. So I'm just saying that it's not yeah, all nice. There's those areas in the Grange too, but I highly doubt that this was happening in, in those areas. I, you know, it sounds like it was happening in a fairly nice area, um, and it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things. I'm, I'm very, I'm personally very surprised to hear this kind of, of, uh, a thing happening in the Grange. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that, uh, Matt. Anything else you want to talk about? No, that was it. All right, I appreciate you shan- uh, shedding some light on that. It uh, definitely adds a new dimension to the story. Thank you. 800-259-9231. For those of you just tuning in, we're talking about a, a young man who was tasered. I say young. I don't I don't recall what his age was, actually. It wasn't in the story. Okay. Uh, man was tasered for flailing during a diabetic seizure, which is common. Oh, tasered 11 times. Yeah, tasered um, 11 times for well, 56 seconds. I mean, he couldn't do anything. I mean, he's having a diabetic seizure. He's completely incapacitated. Yeah. So just an absolutely awful story. And as you pointed out, it's not the first time. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. A little bit of uh, national-level news here. And this isn't good. CNSnews.com, a bill currently before the Senate would empower the Obama administration to nationalize the student lending industry, eliminating the federally subsidized private loans millions of university students rely on to finance their educations. Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act, currently being considered uh, in the Senate, would eliminate the Federal Family Education Loan Program, which are federally, uh, federally subsidized and make up approximately of 80% of the student lending industry. According to the Department of Education, 14.3 million of the 17.5 million student loans were federally subsidized for the 09-10 fiscal year. Under Obama's plan, the government would consume the entirety of this industry, a total of $103 billion in 09-10. Under the current system, the federal government subsidizes private financial institutions in order to entice those institutions to provide low-interest loans to students. Under this, uh, under this arrangement, the government sets the interest rates that lenders may charge the students. In return, they reimburse lenders if, the market, uh, if market interest rates rise above the interest rates on the loans. In essence, the government reimburses private lenders if they begin losing money on the student loans. In return, the lenders agree to return any windfall profits made from the loans to the government. In other words, if market interest rates fall below the interest rates of the loans, the lenders will pay the government the difference. The government also agrees to reimburse the lenders should a student default. So it's a, it's a pretty sweet little system there for those who are offering student loans already. But it's looking like the you know if this goes through, and yeah, there are good, there's a good chance it will, right? Because 
Well, they can pretty much put whatever the hell they want through, can't they? The whole idea of student loans is so ridiculous. I was there, believe it or not, when they first started. And I went to a pretty expensive private university down in Connecticut. My first freshman year, my tuition uh, was $3,360 a year, which was a lot then. I could have gone to a state school for about 1200 a year. Mm-hmm. And the following year, my sophomore year, the student loan program started under Jimmy Carter. And by the time I was a senior, that same tuition was over 8200 a year. Wow. That's dramatic. Dramatic, exactly. And it, what's, what's, what it's done is, is it ma- it's made these universities very bloated and top-heavy and yeah. bureaucratic and sure. wasteful. And they've built all these big sports stadiums with, with all the funny money they're getting. And what have they given? The, 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 the level of education has not improved at all. Not at all. It's been and worse. now these kids get out of school and they're over $100,000 in debt. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, they, they have been bloated in that way. And college is, is uh, it's so expensive. You know, I I can't I'm not going to tell you that I don't think that, uh, you know, college is a good thing for your career. I think that a, a degree can be valuable, especially in areas like doctors, lawyers, engineers, things like that. There are careers where you need a degree, but there are a lot of people with a lot of degrees that are not uh, doing the job that they trained them, that they got trained for. There was a college Most kid, rec- was it recently a college Vast kid, majority. I was talking with him about, about going to school. I said, well, what are you majoring in? He says, communications. I said, oh, so you're majoring in email? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little more here. Under the system proposed, the government would cut private lenders out of the picture entirely, setting the interest rates... Arbitrarily, of course, and collecting payments directly for all student lending. So, and, and right, which means, of course, if you go into bankruptcy, which it, this this is still the case, but if if you're dealing, if you're borrowing from the government, you're borrowing from a a big loan shark. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not be the most efficient, but when they want their money, they're going to get their money. Yeah, oh, yeah. How do you think they'll do that? You think they'll just start taking it out of paychecks? They'll via do the whatever IRS? they want. Whether they or not, if you don't gov- pay the IRS. You go to prison. Yeah. It's the only organization in the world that you can owe, if you could really do owe the IRS, yeah. that you owe and that they'll put you in jail for owing. That's a good point, Mark. Maybe this is going to be a significant shift in the college loan industry because right now kids can you know, you can pretty much walk away from a college loan, right? I mean, no. No? No. You, oh, that's the one that thing you can't ago. do bankruptcy right. on, right? You cannot bankrupt a uh, uh, college. Uh, I had it backwards. Though. Yeah, you, you can't walk away from them. You can choose not to pay, but when you really start making money, then they're going to get it from you. But the difference being that now, if you choose not to pay, you're choosing not to pay the school or whatever company it was that, uh, that provided the loan. Yeah, but they, they whereas, had the government backed them up. So would the state come after you in this in this particular case now? in today's situation? Not really now. That's what I'm saying. In this in this case today, if you don't pay, you know, you just got a collections company calling on you mm-hmm. whereas if the government takes it over as you're saying who here, knows what? who knows what who they'll knows? end up doing? It right. ain't going to be just some friendly phone calls. Generally, when you owe the government, you 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 had better pay or else is uh is is really the the situation. Generally, uh, the cor- according to uh, cnsnews.com, they will be setting the interest rates, collecting payments directly. Whether or not the government saw a profit or loss from the new federal loans would depend on the rate at which the government borrows money, blah, blah, blah. And then it talks about rates and uh, all that stuff. So, and it looks like old Judd Gregg's even uh, commenting in here. So, they're, it looks like they very well may, may move forward to this. We've been instructed by the Budget Committee to do this, so we're going to do it. When asked about using the controversial budget maneuver... Reconciliation allows budget-related items to be passed with a 51-vote majority, eliminating the threat of a filibuster. So, this could be a done deal, where the federal government 
takes over 100% of the college loan industry. Where are they getting this money from to loan people? Where do you think? It's stimulus money. We're stimulating the economy. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up absolutely anything. And take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number two is coming up. How much would you pay to keep your car in the driveway? We'll find out here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Cool. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. We'll kick things off here this hour. Coming up, though, uh, with your phone calls, we'll kick them off with that. But coming up, we'll tell you about a woman who is possibly going to lose her home uh, over a car being parked in the driveway. We'll explain the details here in a moment, but first to your phone calls and the fun, we go to Mike calling from New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Mike Barsky, you, from Mail to Jail. I don't know, yeah, I don't know if you talked about um, Big Mike yet tonight, but um, for all the listeners who are concerned about, say, marijuana act or uh, freedoms, or really any freedoms, because he's only uh, slightly related to 420 events, um, Big Mike is an activist up here who, just the other day at a regular 420 celebration, was arrested for assaulting an officer, and the assault was walking past an officer as the officer was harassing people. The officer extended his arm, so Mike couldn't help but touch it, and then he, they arrested him for harassment. Yes, that's how it looked like. In the, that's how it looked in the video to me. Um, the, you know, it's, it isn't the clearest video. It's not like it's zoomed in on the arm action there. But I saw a definite movement in, of his arm as uh, Big Mike was coming along, and, and it looked right. that what, what you say looks like what what happened to me. Right. Just to briefly recap, a uh, little bit more detail. People can go and see the video over at freekeen.com. It is still there, I believe, on the the front page. You might just scroll down just a little bit, uh, but it is there. And so the entire incident was caught on video, and essentially the way it worked was they had surrounded this group of activists and told Big Mike that he he was free to go. And so in order for him to leave the area, he would have to walk through this line of police that had surrounded the activists. So the only way out 
was through the cops, and they right, there did were, not... Right, there were park benches and petitions on the other side. Right, and he didn't have a whole lot of room between the two officers, so he turns to the side in order to minimize his profile so he can slip through the uh, the small opening that he has, and it's that at that time that, uh, as you say, the officer appears to kind of reach out a little bit, uh, and then as, as Mike... Uh, travels through it's not entirely clear what happens but it is clear that he turns in order to avoid the cop still does apparently brush up against him the cop immediately turns grabs him and and, uh, and arrests him and now he's in jail uh, and has been there and will apparently be there until the trial which is scheduled for april so we're talking april about 4th. weeks and weeks yeah i'd like to write one more detail before i get to my point and that is even if the officer the law enforcement officer did not intentionally extend his arm to be touched and it was an accident, or even if Mike intentionally brushed his arm against the cop. That is not assault. It's just ridiculous. Now, back to the point, he is in jail um, on a $5,000 cash-only bond because he won't identify himself, which he won't do because he committed no crime and hurt no one. And while he's there, if you would like to thank him for standing up for your right to be free, you can write him a letter for free at mail to jail mail mail-to-jail.com. Yes, I uh, love the mail-to-jail service. I was a little confused over the weekend as to why he wasn't already up there. You explained to me that it was because the the arraignment hadn't happened yet, and we actually ha- didn't have a chance to talk about the arraignment uh, yet this week, so I'm glad you called oh, tonight. It gives us an excuse to point. talk about the debacle uh, that was the, uh, the arraignment. Were you out there for that by chance? I was out there all day. Uh, for that, and basically act about 15 to 20 activists from really all, all around the state appeared in Manchester at 8 a.m. before the judge got there mm. and uh, spent all day until 1.30 with the judge uh, and, that, and asked the bailiffs repeatedly, where is, is John Doe supposed to be? And they knew who this particular John Doe was. And they told us this room at this time, and they told us numerous times, okay, he'll be out in an hour. Oh, now it's an hour and a half. Okay, now it's 45 minutes. And he'll be in this room, and he's coming up in the next group of prisoners and all this stuff. And then at 1.30, we find out that they already had him arraigned in a different courtroom uh, without telling us. Right. Now, um, one has to ask, if, if the court system is supposed to be open to the public and open to uh-huh. people uh, you know, to participate in, then what are they doing? Uh, you know, like I, They're effing with you is what they're doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you, of course. And here's what their excuses for and their answers to that question was oh, well, we've made a mistake and we're sorry. And I said, well, your apology doesn't uh, balance out your infringing upon his right to a public trial. And actually, one of the people's responses was, oh, it was a public trial. He was in a a public courtroom that was nice and open. And I said, yes, but six or eight of us have asked to see him, so you knew we wanted to know, and you've been using your PA system to tell attorneys to go to this courtroom and that. Why couldn't you say, why couldn't you announce that this prisoner has been moved to a different courtroom? Mm. Well, that would be some level of customer service, and uh, you know they don't care. What are you going to do? Stop paying taxes? You know? Well, uh, yeah, I I am to the extent that I am brave enough. I don't pay income taxes. Uh, I don't currently own property. If I did, I would probably pay property taxes. Right, but that's just it. They know that they're going to get their money next year, so they'll just behave however the hell they want to. And I'm sure they think it's funny. You know, they can say they're sorry, but in reality, what they wanted to do was they wanted Big Mike, who'd spent the weekend, uh, a long weekend, because it was Martin Luther King Day on Monday, so the courts weren't open, so he spent an extra day in jail. They wanted to give him an extra day in jail and then have him show up into an empty courtroom where... 
it's com- probably pretty common knowledge now amongst the bureaucrats up here in New Hampshire that uh, that that if an activist is taken in and there is an arraignment or a trial, that the activist's fellow activists will come out and support him. They, they yeah. talk. The bureaucrats talk with one another from different uh, jurisdictions, and so they clearly knew what was happening, and they Absolutely. basically made it so that no one would be in the courtroom where the arraignment was taking place to try to bum uh, Big Mike out. Like, you know, hey, you were expecting to see your friends. Oh, look, looks right. like none of your buddies showed up uh, there, John Doe. I have a couple of comments to, about that. Mike might have been bummed, although I'm absolutely positive he knows all of us were there to support him, even though he didn't see us. Yeah. But that's another reason to write him, to let him know that mm. he's not alone, and whatever they're telling him is not true. We are supporting him. Mike is a, is a very brave guy. In fact, I know that uh, he specifically has been looking for an excuse to get into <laughs> into jail. So he, right. he he does finally have it. And of course, he's he's kind of traveling the Sam road. Uh, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network at obscuretruth.com last year was uh, was put into a jail cell for fifty uh, over fifty. I think it was fifty eight days because he refused to give his legal name to his captors, right. even though they knew what his legal name was because they'd found it out by doing some, right. uh, you know, looking into his uh, uh, records in Texas or whatever. I forget exactly how they figured it out, but they figured it out. But because he wouldn't uh, consent to voluntarily giving it to them, they just held him in jail uh, inde- indefinitely, basically. And, and right. that's that's what's happening with, uh, with Big Mike. Now, we don't know if, if they know his real name or not at the moment. Presumably, if they've been to our websites, which they do, the government bureaucrats up here regularly visit the activist websites. So presumably they've already figured out what his real name is. It's all about bowing down to them and what they're demanding yep. of you and uh, and essentially acknowledging their control over you. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think Mike will do that despite having been treated really badly. When, when they arrested him, he did not cooperate. So they had to drag him across the snow, dragging him on the ground, even though there were about eight seven or eight cops there, they used two to drag him instead of four to carry him. Mm-hmm. Then they threw him into the truck, and the other guy they arrested, Brian, saw him in the holding cell in jail before Brian bailed out that night, and he was bruised up. So mm. I don't know what else they've done to him, but all of this over accidentally or intentionally touching an officer's arm. Yeah, it's it's ludicrous what uh, what is going on here, and there's much more to this story. But I want to once again mention mail-to-jail.com and talk about what it is. By the way, for our listeners that may be a little confused here, we're talking about uh, there's a movement of activists, liberty-minded people that have all moved here to New Hampshire, and there are more coming. Thousands more are pledged to move here to New Hampshire. It's called the Free State Project. You can go to freestateproject.org to uh, to learn more about what is happening up here, but. Uh, so, but there's more to uh, to what's going on. So, yeah, they arrested Mike. They put him in. Uh, they put him in jail. He's going to be there for for who knows how long. And people should write him letters because it's completely free. Tell me a little more about mail to jail, Mike. Uh, what, what's it all about? Oh, about a year and a half ago, when I first moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, um, some of my new friends, like Lauren Canary and Pat Canning, were in jail for a long time, and I had never been in jail, and I was scared of it and wondered what it would be like to be all alone, and I thought it would be great to have communication from the outside world. So I set up this website. I'll tell you what, we're going to talk a little more about it. If you can hang on, I want to bring you back, because you actually sent an interesting letter. You've got a case that's pending as well, and I want to talk about that if you don't mind. Sure. All right, hang on. More with Mike Barsky in moments from Mail to Jail. This is Free Talk Live. 
This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got our bulletin board system there with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine. Experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. And start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. That uh, the privacy statement is third-party verified, and so that uh, you know you can you can trust him. Startpage.com. All right, we continue here. We've got Mike Barsky on with us. He's uh, one of the more prominent activists here in New Hampshire, having uh, made the move up here from California. What now? Is it, it's been at least two years now, hasn't it, Mike? No, it's been a year and a half Just a year and a half. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you are the proprietor of mail-2-jail.com. It is a, an, a lovely website that allows people from anywhere to go and send mail to li- liberty-minded people that are behind bars right now. And it's not just Big Mike. There's some other folks that are uh, that are listed on the site right now. Of course, we've been focusing on the Big Mike situation here. He is not a big man. He's uh, probably about oh. as skinny as I am. And he wow. he's a pretty small guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's insulting. I don't think that's insulting. I think it's of course uh, you don't. It's an <laughs> accurate I like, statement. I also like to thank. Uh, yeah, we have about six or eight liberty activists in jail that were able to let us through. And now, and I'd like to thank Kelly for helping where you run mail to jail. Yeah, that's right. You're not the only person behind the site. In fact, you actually have been in jail, uh, and the site had continued uh, because you do have some uh, some assistance behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. So people can go to mail-2-jail.com. They can uh, send mail to whomever it is that they like. Big Mike was arrested for assaulting a police officer, which meant that he walked between two of them. They did not provide him much space with uh, in which to walk. He accidentally brushed up against one of them, it seems. They immediately arrested him for it, and they're going to hold him in jail until the trial for this assault charge, unless he decides to give them his name. At that point, they'll release him on uh, what they call a PR bond, personal recognizance. But until then, they want to extract $5,000 in cash, which he's not going to pay that money, and I don't think he wants anybody to pay that money for him. So right. he's likely going to be sitting in jail until April, and so he could use uh, some mail. He can use some uh, some mail to yeah. uh, to spend his time on. Uh, during the break, Dale made a couple of comments to me. He thinks, and I agree, that the cops bothered to arrest him for something so pointless and silly because he was not cooperating. And oh, you know, because he wasn't point. giving his name and that sort of thing when the cops were asking questions on the scene. Right, right. He wasn't obeying like a little slave, and so they said, "Well, they're not going to." As a matter of fact, I heard on one of the poor four one calls, one of the officers say, I don't know to whom, they said, well, if you're not going to cooperate with us, we're not going to cooperate with you. As if not quite cooperating with the cop is the same thing as a cop not cooperating with us. If, you know, if a cop doesn't answer my questions, I can't slam him in jail. 
Right. So so people went down uh, to the courthouse and they were given the runaround. The court ha- the court people lied to them over and over again. They waited, yeah. spent about half of a day uh, from morning till two ish, from eight in the morning till two in the afternoon, until they finally found out that while they were being given the runaround in the court about how, oh yeah, he's coming out, sure, sure, yeah, we're going to do the arraignment here in a little bit. Oh yeah, just another hour. Then they found out that during all of that, they actually had arraigned him in a secret courtroom, which they claim was open to the public, but a courtroom that they normally don't open up. They opened up specifically so they could uh, arraign Big Mike, and the whole thing has been an absolute fiasco, and there's there's a little more of the story because, uh, well, apparently the activists are considering doing some sort of protests. They're considering finding out who these undercover cops were because they were undercover cops that did the busts initially before the uniform cops showed up. And finding out who they are and going out and doing things like candlelight vigils out at their houses, oh God. Uh, as we've done here in the uh, – some of the activists have done here in the Keene area, which I – there's evidence that shows it's been pretty effective. Mark, you say, oh, God, but it was three days into the daily candlelight vigils that they released uh, Kurt Hoffman, one of the activists here in the Keene area, from jail. Hmm. Well, you know, I don't know how effective the vigils were. I – I certainly don't see them as being ineffective or, or damaging. Well, we don't I either. It's will... speculation. We can't say that right. one is necessarily connected, but it certainly is uh, coincidental. Right. Um, I also would like to point out that when judges and bailiffs and jail guards and clerks and offices and jails get, I'll, I'll call it, uh, when they get bugged by being asked the same question over and over and over again, like, what is uh, Big Mike's... Um, prison ID number so we can send a mail, because they at first wouldn't give it to us. Or what is the charge against this guy, or why are you arresting the fan? When they get asked the same question again and again, they get bugged and they get sick of it, and they'll give up the information they don't want to. They'll yeah. get sick of dealing with it. That's it an interesting right. point. That's you actually made a call the other day to uh, our voicemail service, which is distributed to hundreds of activists, Pork 411, and you pointed out that you'd called the jail to try to get the number for Mike, the prisoner number. They wouldn't give it to you, so you asked other people to call. I picked up the phone, called. They gave it to me. Uh, Kurt Hoffman called. They gave it to him. So right. sometimes well, it's just a different bureaucrat that you get, and well, they're more friendly. It's also their default answer to if you work for the government your default answer for everything is no the government isn't here to help the government is here to say no so what they do is they say no to you they hang up the phone and then say hey is there any problem with giving out this guy's uh you know in my inmate id number and then they might find that find out the answer that's the most innocuous of scenarios but i i think that we've shown it over and over again here um the outside the system activists have shown over and over again that uh that in fact being persistent really does work right i agree one of the other things I wanted to run by you here, Mike, before we talk about your situation, is that we've got the Free State Project Liberty Forum coming up here, and their new uh, new speakers going to be announced and all that. And of course, we'll tell you about that as they're coming out. But it's a great opportunity for people who are thinking about the Free State Project, considering maybe a move to New Hampshire, or perhaps you've already decided to move to New Hampshire, to come up, z- uh, visit the state during the wintertime, and uh, get to know hundreds of uh, and, and socialize with hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all gathering together in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Nashua, New Hampshire for a weekend in March. And I believe this year it's going to be the 18th through the 21st. So it's coming up, and we're talking about two two months away here at this point. Uh, Free Talk Live, of course, is going to be broadcasting live. It's always a great opportunity. But there hasn't yet been a Liberty Forum uh, during which a 
a free stater has been held in a jail cell. And I think this will be a very interesting time. If they don't let old Big Mike out by the Liberty Forum, uh, I'm not going to be around to head it up, but it might be an interesting idea to have a little field trip up to uh, the Manchester jail up from Nashua and bring, you know, a hundred or so people from the Liberty Forum up there uh, to do a, a demonstration out, outside of the jail. If Mike is still in jail... I'm almost certain that will happen because Manchester and Valley Street Jail is less than a 30-minute drive from Nashua. And, you know, after the all-day court try, uh, debacle the other day, oh, six or eight of us went out to the jail, walked around with signs like no victim, no crime, and held it up for the prisoners to see and walked around the jail. And they were all knocking on the windows, and we could hear a couple shouts, and they were just it was awesome. And then the cops gave us grief and said, we don't want you here. And I said, well, we're waiting for our friend to come to jail from court. And they said, well, when he's here, you can get, you can see him. Otherwise, get off county property. So I think they'll have a lot harder time doing that when there's 30, 50, 100 You're damn there. right they will. Hey, Mike, I'm going to see if we can get you on a better connection here. I want to continue talking to you because you've got a situation. You sent a letter recently that has never been sent before to the government people because they are also aggressing against you again and what you said in that letter I thought was very inspiring, and I want to share the, share some of that with our listeners. So I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, we'll see if we can get uh, get a better connection because uh, the cell phone is dropping out or the VoIP line or something like that. More coming up with Mike Barsky. Your calls as well about what you want. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Check out the website. We have a brand new website there, and it's uh, you can you can put news stories on there. There's lots of news stories that other people have uploaded. You can vote them up, vote them down. We uh, look over the site to find out which stories we're going to talk about, not to mention taking your calls about anything. So you can call us at 800 259 9231. Ian is working diligently to try to get um, Mike back on the line here. But, uh, you know, if you're college age, whether you're just coming out of high school or you're in college or just coming out of college, you're probably wondering, what the heck am I going to do for a job this summer? It's, yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> right. It's, it's not like employment's looking real good out there. And, uh, you know, college kids aren't the most employable of, uh, of people in, in, in the workforce. So you might consider... A journalism production internship or state policy or uh, you know federal government's um, policy organization with libertarianinternships.com they'll give you a, a stipend housing assistance uh, seminars career workshops the whole deal they take care of it all you have to do is go over there and sign up for an account at libertarianinternships.com they of course have information you can look over before you sign up for the account but you don't get the full story until you sign up for the account libertarianinternships.com Okay, so uh, we're back here, 800-259-9231. We've been talking with Mike Barsky, the proprietor of mail-2-jail.com. Wayne is with us here as he is uh, frequently on Wednesday nights, and I believe we do have Mike. Uh, Mike, are you there? 
I am, thanks. Okay, excellent. Uh, so we've talked about the Big Mike situation and how he is uh, currently sitting in jail for who knows how long. It's absolutely tragic, and people can go to mail-2-jail.com, and they can use your system to write to him, and it's a brilliant system because it saves people time and effort. Uh, you are the one, uh, and you and your folks that are behind the scenes there are, are the ones that are uh, printing out the, the, the mail. That you're stamping the envelopes. You're addressing the envelopes. You're dropping them in the mail. You're taking a lot of the work out. Not that there's a lot of work, but you're taking um, almost all of the work out of writing somebody a letter in jail, and you make it so easy. And I highly recommend people go there and uh, and donate to the site as well, because clearly it's an expensive proposition. Uh, you you know you got to pay forty plus cents per uh, for a stamp, and you can actually send postcards through the site as well. So I highly recommend that. But aside from that, there's something going on with you, Mike. The state has aggressed against you a number of times in the last year and a half that you've been up here, and a couple of those times you went into court after having driven for, I don't know, an hour, two hour. hours in some cases to get to the courthouse to have what you thought was going to be a trial just to have them decide, oh, hey, I uh, just want to let you know we're dropping the charges. Literally, they tell you this right before you're ready to go to trial, right after you know, you've know you had all this stress, whatever stress level that you've had in preparing yourself for this day, because it's a dangerous time going to a trial. You never know if the judge is going to hit you with a contempt of court charge like they did to me. You never know if you're going to go to jail. You don't know what's going to, to happen, and then you have to kind of figure out how you're going to approach things. And it's stressful. So you went through all that stress. You show up at court prepared to go to trial. They tell you, oh, sorry about that. We're, uh, we're well, well, good news. We're dropping your charges. See you later. And that's happened to you twice now. And so they're charging you with something else. What are they charging you with? And what did you write them? Yeah. And what if you uh, paid a lawyer to help you out? Then you've wasted that money because you didn't need them. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so what they charged me with this time was a traffic violation. It was speeding. And actually... Not only is that a victimless crime because no one was hurt, no one was threatened, no one called in a complaint, and in fact there were no other cars around, but this one was odd because the speed limit had just dropped. Maybe 50 feet behind my car was the speed limit sign that said, uh, I don't remember, but it was a lower number. Mm -hmm. And so when the cop pulled me over and I, I started off with the question of him, what did you pull me over for? And he said, I caught you doing, I think, 50 in a 30-mile-per-hour zone. I said, no, the speed limit right back there, 50 feet, says it's 40. So he didn't even know what the speed limit was. It has nothing to do with safety. It has to do with numbers and money. Yep. So they pulled me over for a victimless crime. And because I've wasted my time going in there and not being uh, charged and having them waste my time and drop the charges, and because there were no victims and because I'm not going to give them money if they demand it anyway, this time I just wrote him a letter explaining all that. I said, look, you wasted my time on these two other occasions. There was no victim. I hurt no one. I'm not going to bother coming in. If you want to communicate with me, great. Send me a letter at this address. Oh, my. <laughs> now, how many times do you think that uh, I mean, people typically when they don't go, when the court demands that they appear somewhere and they don't show up, they typically uh, issue a charge called failure to appear and will issue a warrant for that person's arrest. I think it's probably pretty unusual that anyone has ever written the court announcing their intention to uh, to not show up. That may be a first for them. I certainly don't think that's going to stop them from charging you with failure to appear. And I don't no. know if that's a felony or a misdemeanor. I imagine it's a misdemeanor. I'm not positive on that. But nonetheless, uh, you are you are expecting them to come after you, right? Well, I'm I'm expecting this letter to reach a clerk. She'll read the first few sentences that say I'm not going to show up and crumple it up and throw it away. Mm. And then when I don't appear for trial, they'll do their normal paperwork. And, yes, I'm expecting a warrant out. 
Um, and when they pull me over for another traffic violation sometime in the future, then they'll run it and say, oh, this is the guy that we, you know, have, there's a warrant out and they'll arrest me and jail me. And, in fact, because it may be a misdemeanor, it may even trigger my suspended sentence for another victimless crime they charged me with. And what so was that? What was the suspended time. sentence on that? Uh, 40 days in jail. Wow. Well, as long as you're prepared You guys are that. trying hard to fill up their jails, aren't you, Mike? Here's my question for you, Mike. Since you're going to yeah, do this... Yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just to respond to Mark real quick, I don't want to go to jail, obviously, but yes, I am trying hard to make their system explode on them. If they jailed everyone they um, they charged with a victimless crime, they, they'd have to stop. Yeah, if but everybody yeah, had the courage of Mike Barsky and Big Mike, who we were talking about earlier, if if even 5% of the activists had that uh, that level of courage, well, maybe they do. Maybe 5% of the 1% of the regular population, uh, if 1% of the regular population had that level of courage, their system would crumble. I mean, even just the courage to not even disobey all the way, but to just take something to trial, just to uh, just to say, no, I'm not going to uh, plead guilty and I'm going to take this to trial, that alone would be enough to, uh, to crush the system, let alone people actually going and filling up jail cells. We've got a guy here in Keene that's going uh, tomorrow on a traffic situation, like driving while suspended or something, and, uh, you know, one of the activists out here, and we're going to go back him up at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning in, in Keene. So the activists, I, the activists are pretty darn courageous, I have to say. Compared to the regular uh, population out there, they're more than likely to, uh, to take jail over paying fines, and I hope that that eventually spreads out to the, uh, the normal populace, and I hope that as we get more activists here, we can start encouraging people to, at the very least, take things to trial. I know we've got a, an attorney now who's talking about and this is pretty exciting to me i don't think we've talked about this on the air yet by the way the the, uh, the idea is essentially to have uh people who are interested pay this attorney a yearly uh fee essentially pay him a salary for a year and for an attorney it'll be a fairly reasonable amount something like 60 grand uh so pay him a, a salary and then he's basically the free attorney he's essentially the attorney that every activist can turn to that uh, they can utilize his services and even regular people uh, we were talking about just having posting him outside of an arraignment uh on monday mornings and and having him hand business cards out to people and say here i'll be your attorney for free as long as you take this to trial and essentially just encouraging people to uh, to take their cases to trial to load the system up. We could do that yeah, if we – it's it's an amazing idea. Cost, yeah, cost them more money, waste more of their time. What they, what they meaning government people, expect is obedience. Yes. Uh, and so their system has evolved to a streamlined uh, stamp them out, get money for scaring people. And the more people that, you know, throw a wrench into their cogs by saying, no, I'm going to ask some questions, or no, I'm not going to pay – the harder it is for them to do that. I want to run something by you here, Mike. Uh, I've got my car in the shop right now, and I'm going to have them take the, the license plate off the back because it's rusted on, so I can't do it myself. And I've got a private plate uh, that I'm going to put on the car at this point because I'm tired of having state plates uh, on the car. Tired of doing an Ashley syndicated radio show? Yeah, you're not going to get put in jail for a long time for for something like that, I don't think. They're likely going to steal the car. Uh, But nonetheless, what I was thinking of is the last time they caught you, they'd pulled you over, and like you were saying, they're going to run your plates. They're going to have a failure to appear warrant out for you. They're going to run those plates, and it's going to come up. Just kind of wanted to suggest to you, if you are expecting to have something like that happen, what would, uh, how would that change if you put a private plate on your car? They wouldn't be able to run that and come up with the info. Well, there's the plate and the driver's license. 
And if you if you want, I'll come back and explain my opinion on that. Let's talk about it. Hang on. More with Mike Barsky from mail-2-jail.com. Your calls as well about whatever you want. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got all the features there for free. So enjoy those on us. If you like this program, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will receive a percentage of your purchase. It's Amazon, the world's largest Internet retailer. Same great prices, same great Amazon. You're just basically entering through our portal, and then they'll send us a cut of the uh, the profits. Head over to amazon.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done. You hate making those extra trips out to the car to carry in the groceries? Yep. For the last few months at my house and Ian's house, we've been using the uh, the Tota Sack. It's a handle made of 100% recycled materials. Uh, it's a polymer right here in the U.S. It's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go to totasack.com and see what one looks like. Look, looks like. It's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. Get a family pack there today. Tota Sack. They carry more than you can. A lot more. Totosack.com. All right. So we continue with Mike Barsky. He is from mail-2-jail.com. Great website that allows you to mail liberty-oriented people uh, for free over the Internet, which is uh, just a wonderful service. But we're talking about some of the things that are happening to you right now, Mike. The state is coming after you for some uh, traffic offense. You've told them in a letter that you sent to the courthouse that basically you're not going to waste your time to come down to their little – is it an arraignment or a trial that they've scheduled for you? It'll be a trial, and technically, I said I'm not going to allow them to waste my time. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so you will not be going down. Uh, you will not be obeying. You will not travel to their courthouse right. for the trial. And you've basically told them the reason is because you've gone to some of these trials before they've held for you, and they never had the trials. They've just uh, dropped the charges, and so you wasted all your time uh, traveling there and wasted whatever time preparing yourself for the, the trial. Yeah. And so you basically said, you know, screw this. So uh, I'm yeah, not not to mention I don't feel like I was uh, you know I committed any crime I don't right. feel like I didn't hurt anybody I don't feel I deserve to you know have to go and obey their orders and do what they demand But knowing how their system works it means that it's likely that a failure to appear charge will be uh slapped against you they will then put yeah. a, a warrant out for your arrest and as you pointed out they'll likely pull you over because apparently you're cop bait you've been pulled over so many times in the last <laughs> uh couple of years but uh, they'll pull you over, and they'll then pop you right then for the failure to appear. You'll likely be put in jail, and uh, right. that may violate a suspended sentence, et cetera, et cetera. So I was thinking, well, what if you put a private plate on your car? That way they couldn't run your plate. I mean, would that prevent well, you from getting arrested for that it, purpose? It would, it would partially prevent it, but they would actually just pull me over anyway and then have something else to cite me for. And then when I gave them my driver's license, they'd pull it up and see that I had a warrant. So if I refuse to deal with either of those documents, government documents, the driver's license and the license plate, mm-hmm. well, I guess, and the registration, um, then they wouldn't have anything. Then they would they would certainly – it's somehow such an important, vicious crime to not have government documentation that they would absolutely right then arrest me and jail me if I wouldn't ID myself. If yeah. I say, you know, my name's Mike, but I'm not going to show you my ID. I'm not going to show you my driver's license. And I'm not going to, uh, and I don't have a license plate on the car. Well, boom, I'm in jail right there. What about a Shire license, uh, driver's license, like a private well, driver's the benefit, license? 
the, yeah, the benefit of a Shire or a private license plate, or even if I picked up like a nearby state's license plate at a uh, antique store and stuck it on the car, is that it doesn't look conspicuous. Driving down the road without one, they will target you. And driving down the road with something on there, maybe they aren't paying attention and they see some colors and numbers and they'll ignore it. Maybe they'll see a Shire plate, not know what it is, and ignore it because it looks so clean and it looks like one of their little goodies. Um, no, no, no. My, my question was like a Shire license. Like you've got a Shire uh, plate and oh, a Shire yeah. driver's license. Good call. You know, like Mike, um, well, yeah, I guess, Mike Freeman yeah, or something I, like that on the on the on the <laughs> license. Mark, why are you right. saying "Oh God" for? I mean, because, the guy's going to get arrested anyway. Right. That's <laughs> that's exactly yeah, right. right. He's going to jail, and uh, God, he's he's, he's probably going to stay in there forever and ever, just like they're they're. I mean, look what they do with Sam. Sixty days well, for nothing, yeah, filming in the all, courtroom. Six, look what they're doing with Big days. Mike. God knows how long he's going to stay in. Well, 60 days is not forever, and they have threatened me. When I was in jail for a very short time, they threatened me with indefinite jail if I didn't you know, follow the procedures and ID myself and process, and I got scared and ID'd and got out. Next time, maybe not. I don't think it will be indefinite. I think there's so many activists uh, publicizing it and making it known that the government is doing something so horrific that it won't be forever. It might be a month or two or three. Uh, also, like I said, the purpose of the letter, I do not expect this letter to have any purpose. The benefit, or not the benefit, the uh I guess my purpose in writing the letter is to publicize it and let people know that someone is standing up and someone is saying the court is bullshit. Oh, sorry, we've got to got to drop you on that one, but I understand where you're coming from. Thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, Mike, rather, Mike Barsky from mail jail.com Unfortunately, we've got a zero tolerance uh, policy on that kind of thing. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Even with uh, friends like Ian, uh, Ian is uh, bound to the man. So, uh, so get, getting back briefly here to this uh, this this conversation uh, about traveling with uh, with no uh, government plates on, you were you were kind of deriding me for that earlier, Mark. Uh, you don't want a radio show anymore, and blah blah blah. That's right, Ian. Be scared. Be frightened of what the government might do to you. You shouldn't live free because the government might hurt you. Be frightened. Well, you know what? If I think that uh, that it that the having a government license is a government license plate is asinine and i'm tired of doing it then i'm going to go ahead and start living free in that way and maybe other people will be inspired by my actions to also similarly live free you know maybe we'll start having a movement of people up here who are going to start doing their own freedom to travel uh issues me on this particular issue is that there there does need to be some third party check and balance when it comes to the individual numbering of vehicles otherwise i put my phone number on Right. I understand what you did. It's yeah. because you're an honorable individual. However, the, the uh, you know, once this becomes some kind of level of norm, then somebody can you know, put some numbers that will not trace them to the vehicle, and then it defeats the purpose of putting numbers on the back of the vehicles. And then, you know, it's I, not my uh, it's not my role to advocate for change to that system. I just want to live uh, free in that way. So I understand what you're saying. You're saying Ian, there are problems with uh, you know getting the government out of uh, license plates because well how would we know who everybody is etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Well if we're actually going to if the if a, an area is going to go in the direction of getting the government out of license plates then presumably insurance companies and things like that would step in to uh, to to solve the problem the marketplace would solve the problem of identifying people in Isn't their vehicles. Isn't this right to travel issue which you know I'm I'm really uh, unclear on this whole right to travel thing but isn't this right to travel issue really just the easiest way for pe- liberty activists who want to go to jail to go to jail 
Isn't that what it is? I mean, like it's the most expeditious route to mess with the cops. Well, I don't most, think so. Their most go and legitimate role, lobby. which is putting, um, you know, putting numbers on the back of cars so that people can identify these things. Um, that that it really goes after them and the that's places where they do the, where they do the best, not the worst. That's not a legitimate role. It's just extraction of funds. That's all that is. I'm not it's saying just a way for them to there control are ways people. to get better, but there are lots of victimless crimes out there. Um, whereas you know this mm-hmm. one, this 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 role you know, makes sense to people, and I feel it alienates a lot of people, a, a lot of them. Like they say, that's dumb. What are we gonna do with people no license plates? People have been saying plates? that forever. Uh, they say, they say that's dumb about the people that smoke pot in public, and I've done that too. And they say that's dumb about well, well, it's dumb not to get a government license plate. Why is it dumb? What's dumb about that? Who am I putting in danger? Who's the victim? Why do I have to – what obligation do I have to put a government tag on what is supposed to be my property? It's my car. I don't have to put their tags on it. So I'm, I'm not persuaded by this, Mark, because well, what you're, you're saying is – persuaded by anything. What you're saying is that, well, most people are obedient and they go out and get their government license plates like good little citizens. And what will they think if don't people stop Don't you think it's a good idea that? to have individual numbers on the backs of cars? I put my phone number on the back of the right. car. Right, and in your case, that, that much is true. I so what's the problem? You've got an individual flipping number on the car still. It's, in fact, a number that actually gives the phone number of the occupant, as opposed to every other number, which is a, some arbitrarily assigned government number, unless you pay for a vanity plate, uh, which nobody knows how to identify those people. Only the government police and the DMV have access to those records. Anybody that doesn't like the way I'm driving can call my phone number. It's right there on the back of the car. Can complain. Well, they, you've got to assume that uh, that they understand that the uh, the number that that that's a telephone number. Well, considering that it's New Hampshire where we are mm-hmm. and the area code is on the plate, it should be pretty obvious. I don't think it's going to be entirely obvious to everyone. Well, I, I'm I don't at the care. Plate right it's now. not my it's not my job to make it obvious for mm-hmm. them, right? I'm going to put a private plate on my car and I'm going to drive around with it. And we'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe I'll get a private license, too, while I'm at it. Now that I've been having this conversation here with uh, with Mike and we're talking about this, I think that's a good idea, too. I know that some people, the activists up here, were talking about doing private licensing, but nothing ever came of it. So I might have to find some sort of Internet source. By the way, the place I went to to get the license plate, and it is great. I mean, you, will you admit this, Mark? It looks nice, that plate. It looks kind of like the old Alaska plate. You can get it in any color you want. You can get any. I got yellow and black because it's nice and high contrast. Easy to read for Free anybody that wants colors. to read it. Yeah. Uh, so it's professional. It's embossed and everything. I mean, that's a real license plate. You can go to licenseplates.tv if you want to uh, to order your own, and uh, I highly recommend it. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. Hour three's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. All right, we'll continue here. Take your phone calls about anything. Scott is in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Yes. Hello, Ian, Wayne, and Mark. How are you? What's on your mind tonight, Scott? Hi, Scott. Uh, I voted yesterday for Scott Brown. I thought you said Uh, you were never voting again. You win. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I voted, I wanted to vote for the lesser of the two evils. But you want to know something, gentlemen? What I did yesterday was known as going through the motions. And I guess I voted for Brown because I hated the Kennedy family more. I wanted to get rid of them for just, because Coakley is just a puppet of the Kennedy family, uh, who I, I blame uh, for destroying Massachusetts with their support of affirmative action, homosexual and lesbian marriage. Well, and abortion. I don't and also, see what's wrong with uh, gay marriage. What's, but you want to know something? Behind, it's a game. And this is what I mean by a game. The American people, including myself, have been duped. It's not a question of Democrat or Republican, independent. The federal government is rotten. It's rotten to the core. It's like a cancer and a leg has to be amputated. It's like gangrene. Mm. What I mean by that is you've got a Federal Reserve manipulating our money. You've got, like, uh, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, Foreign Affairs, Big Oil. You've got greedy, crooked senators and congressmen. Do you think this guy is going to actually do anything differently? He's going to do nothing, absolutely nothing. And I just went through the motions. But I'm going to tell you something. Let me give you an analogy. If somebody offered you... Say you won a prize. You said to them, what did I win? You get 100 pounds of cow manure or 100 pounds of pig dung. Which would you take? <laughs> which would you take? Cow manure. I, I, I don't know. It depends on which one I felt would be better fertilizer, but I understand the uh, analogy. What, so you may say, well, why did you vote? I wanted to do my civic duty, but you want to know something, gentlemen? I was had yesterday because you asked me a question, what will Scott Brown do? He'll do nothing, just like all of the others will do. So what do I propose? This is what I propose. We need to get rid of Democrats and Republicans, however that will be done. And well, I don't a big even proposal. know if a third party can, can be put in. No, the it can't. Gov- and here's so, why. Here's why the third party thing will, will not work. Uh, as somebody who spent years in uh, the Libertarian Party and then publicly yeah. quit uh, back in 2008... But here's why it won't work, because the Democrats and Republicans have the uh, the political system on lockdown. They both are, are very, very happy to work together to keep the other third party people out. They find that what they what they found out in the 1990s was what happens when you let somebody in from a third party and things like national debates like uh, with Ross Perot, for instance. You find out that the American people resonate uh, with alternative messages that aren't the, the typical Democrat Republican line. I'm not saying Ross 
Perot was uh, was great or anything like that, but he certainly was distinctly different uh, from the usual suspects. Yeah, and if it hadn't been for that ninja's comment, he would have probably uh, you know he had a very good chance of winning. Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> well, uh, so they what they found out then was that this should not happen again, and so they created the Commission for the Presidential Debates, and they put it in the hands of the the government people instead of the uh, the daughter, daughters of American veterans or something like that. I forget who it was that was doing it before. But uh, League of Women Voters. I League think. of Women Voters. That's who it was. They um, so then the government took it over. They started setting all the rules, and that was the last time a third party candidate ever appeared in a debate. Wayne, you were telling us during one of the breaks that there's a uh, the third party ish kind of candidate that has, or at least a, a dark horse Republican sort of Ron Paul ish Republican who's appearing in the debates in Texas. Yes, Deborah Medina is is running as a Republican. She's a Ron Paul Republican. She's running against. The incumbent gov- governor and a uh, U.S. senator who were all trying to be governor. And in the first debate, she was lucky to even get in because they really had to fight to get her in. And she completely dressed them both down. And now she's going to be in the second debate. And I would encourage you to go on YouTube and type in uh, Deborah Medina and watch, and, and listen, watch her answers from the debate. You will, <laughs> The hair on the back of your neck will stand up. She but did such a great job. That's the kind of stuff that could happen on a state level because they're just slightly more accountable and you can maybe make things like that happen. But at the federal level, you're never going to see that happen. All the rules are set against, stacked against a third parties like the Libertarians or the Greens or whoever else. And uh, they just, you know, they're just not playing on the same, uh, on an even playing field. And the Republicans and Democrats will never allow it to be even. So before, um, I I like what you're saying, Scott, in that uh, I like the idea of getting rid of the Democrats and Republicans, theoretically. But it's more likely that you'll be able to to, uh, secede a state from the union than uh, get rid of the Republicans and Democrats. There is some silver lining, gentlemen, and I'll tell you what that is. And I'm, and I'm 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 not living a pipe dream either. If this economy continues to deteriorate, and I believe that it will, we're in a depression now and our currency is going down to nothing, uh, what will happen is that we will have like a Nazi Germany type uh, uh, economy where everything disintegrates. And I'm not saying, I don't want you to get the idea, I'm not saying they have Nazism, and I'm not saying they have communism. I'm saying they have a populist government like uh, Charles Lindbergh, Henry Ford, where the government Henry goes back to the people and <laughs> the farmers, no, he's a... and we and, and and break the back of Wall Street. Let's be honest. We owe our soul to Goldman Sachs. And I don't know Reserve. what that means. I don't really know what that means, and I don't want any government. I don't care what the word is in front of it. I'm not interested in having other people tell me how to live my life. Thanks, Scott, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I don't care if they call themselves populists or communists or socialists or capitalists or whatever they call themselves. Uh, they don't own me. Well, you could be a populist libertarian also. But my point is that I, I used to really read Buckminster Fuller. One thing that he said never left my mind. He said that you never change an existing reality by trying to fight it. Instead, you create a new model that makes the old one obsolete. I like that idea. And that's, I think, one of the things that you're going to see happening here in New Hampshire. We, of course, talked about the Free State Project, uh, thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people coming here in order to get active for liberty. Some of them say, well, you need to work within the system. Some of them say civil disobedience. But that's kind of a third road, Wayne, the idea of just creating the alternative, just going out there and starting something new and bringing people into that. In fact, we've got a thread over at the Free Keen Forum where some of us have been talking about 
about you know a new constitution uh, because well what they'll always say the government people will say is that well you're part of our society well we've got our constitution and these are our representatives and da 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 you're Don't part of our social society. contract uh, the right the social contract so uh, you can point out well I didn't sign that uh, that constitution mm-hmm. I certainly didn't sign but that, I signed the this social one. contract. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the idea. So the U.S. Constitution and the New Hampshire Constitution, your local state constitutions, those were written hundreds of years ago and signed by men that are dead now. So we're just going to write our own, and then we're going to sign that. And it's going to be nice and short, too, because we're not creating a government. We're just creating a voluntary society. We're explicitly creating our own society because a society, when the, when the government people insist that you're part of their society, you can't really prove otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, a society, the definition thereof, has to do with a voluntary association of people who've come together for a common purpose. And I never volunteered into this, and most of us that uh, don't really care much to be ruled also did not volunteer into it and would not have have been given the actual opportunity to do so. So it'll be very interesting to, uh, to, to actually go ahead and put our own paper out there, write it up on parchment or whatever the hell, and uh, write up your own constitution, have it signed, so we've got some of the text down there's a thread about it over the free keen forum the the conversation is basically that we should iron this out get it agreeable amongst at least some people because obviously you're never going to get a whole bunch of people to agree to it and then print it print it out have it put a put out eh, put maybe find some parchment i don't know if you can do that these days but mm-hmm. whatever and then bring it out to uh the like the porcupine freedom festival this summer and have people sign it mm-hmm. and then literally okay well you've got your constitution and now we've got our constitution mm-hmm. so it's quite clear that we're members of this society and you're members of that society <laughs> we're all in the same landmass <laughs> but there's two different societies now it's kind of like comparing making love with rape I don't. Is that a joke? <laughs> I don't know what that well, means. no, it is because you're doing it voluntarily. You're not oh, being forced into the system. That is, yeah, okay, I get you now. <laughs> More coming up here at 800-259-9231. So that kind of stuff is uh, is in the works. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We've got a Facebook profile. You can go over and become a fan there at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Check out the Low Country Liberty Report. This radiographer for Savannah, Georgia, focuses on pro-freedom issues from around the country. It's liberty-oriented reports for liberty-oriented folks. He does not pretend to be unbiased in reporting, but he always tries to add a little humor to every report. Find his videos at lclreport.com. Join the LCL group on Facebook or Twitter lclreport.com. All right, so we continue here. There's a story out of our former 
uh, well, around where our former home was down in Florida. You and I, Mark, come from the Sarasota area of Florida. And just south of Sarasota is a little town called Northport. Apparently, they think them they think of themselves as something uh, pretty special. Let me uh, give you the story from the Herald Tribune at heraldtribune.com. The used car was a blessing, a gift from her church to help Diane Pearson, single mom with three children, and a long commute to work. After receiving the 1998 Mercury from her church, Pearson found her drive to Sarasota a bit less stressful. But Pearson lives in Northport, a city that has targeted citizens for violating rules, regulating everything from how often you mow your grass to the cars in your driveway. Northport took Pearson to court this month over fines of more than $27,000 for keeping her old car in the driveway without a license plate. Ah, yes. The the junk car rule um, from Sarasota County. They, um, as a matter of fact, oh, this Man- is all over the place. Yeah, Manatee County has it, too. Um, the, the counties that are they're talking about here. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure they have it right here in Keene, New Hampshire. They may very well. Yeah. Um, but essentially, if a vehicle and... I, by the way, had a BMW in my driveway that did not have a license plate on it and got one of these junk um, car notifications. Really? I hadn't sold it yet. I, you know, I'd take the license plate from the old one, put it on a new car, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, uh, you know, so <laughs> they gave me one of these notifications. If the city wins its case, Pearson could be facing bankruptcy. Ms. Pearson said, uh, she's 49, said it's been a nightmare. She works two jobs just to stay afloat as she raises three teenagers. Pearson's one of dozens of Northport residents caught in the city's crackdown on code violations. Officials promised to ease up last year following complaints that the get-tough approach was too heavy-handed in a community slammed by the recession. But Northport has been anything but soft on Pearson and others. It recently sought to foreclose on one homeowner for unpaid fines and has many more court cases scheduled besides Pearson's. Almost 30 new code cases, those reaching $15,000 in fines, had been forwarded to Northport's lawyers as of November. More Now, I'm not sure what that means. Almost 30 new code cases, those reaching 15,000. Does that mean the total of all 30 is 15,000? Or 30 cases have already reached 15,000? That's what it says to me, 30 cases at 15,000. That's what I'm thinking it means. Anyway, more could follow as daily fines of up to $250. Yeah, that's what it sounds like uh, with fines like that. Accrue against homeowners who fail to show up to hearings or responded to Northport's citations. There is no cap on the amount the city can fine. According to the city, one property owner owes $183,000 in fines for a house that went into foreclosure in 2007. That house isn't worth $183,000, especially in Northport. Not by Yub. Well, they can't do much more than beyond, uh, you know, take their house from them. Thankfully, oh, but you, that's they might ruin his credit. Who knows? I mean, this is a could if, you? This, if this is a, 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 a yeah, if this City? is a court case against them, basically mm. they'd have to file bankruptcy in order to get that taken away. Pearson's run-in with the city codes dates back to 2006. She was driving an unreliable 86 Oldsmobile when the Lighthouse Baptist Church gave her the Mercury Sable. She parked the Olds in her driveway for four months until the church picked it up as a donation. But it didn't have a valid license plate, and the city's code enforcement panel cited her for breaking a rule requiring cars and driveways to have a current plate. The city began levying, and, you know, we all signed the uh, social contract that says cities can do this, so that's why you owe the money when the city says you owe the money, because you agreed to all this silly nonsense, didn't you? Oh, when you bought your house, didn't it come along with a copy of uh, all the rules that you agreed to? (laughs) No, man, when you were born, you, you signed it with your toe. That's right. Bunch of nonsense. 
The city began levying a $50 per day fine in early 2007. Oh, and they made sure that it was retroactive to the previous December for the infraction. And Northport kept the meter running for more than a year after the car was gone. City officials blame Pearson, like other homeowners in other code cases, for failing to accept settlement offers or heed warnings. Pearson, the city lawyer said, did not notify officials when the olds was removed. So- now, now, when it's, they find it there, you have to notify them when it's gone. Yeah. It's crazy. 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 Last year. Nuts. Now, now I've been to Northport before. You've been to Northport before, Mark? Yeah, yeah, I've been through yeah, there. I've been, I've been to Northport. This, when you hear this kind of uh, talk, like $250 fine per day, $50 fine per day, $27,000, you think, there's got to be some upper crust uh, you know, living here. I mean, this has to In be... In Northport? A, that's what I would think, right? When you hear that kind of... Uh, that kind of punishment for violations of license plates not being on cars in the front yard i mean you know bushes not trimmed to the right height it makes it sound like it's some sort of ritzy area doesn't it i don't know it's just how it seems to me northport isn't anything like that yeah northport is uh is uh, sarasota's retarded sister <laughs> yeah it's basically a major shakedown that's what it is yeah that's uh, that is what this is last year they offered to settle the case northport offered to settle for $6200. Hey, hey, Ms. Pearson, look, we're just going to make we're just going to make this go away for you. Just pay us 6 6 I know you don't want to pay the 20,000, but you can just pay us $6000 and where we'll, is this woman going to get $6000? That's more than the damn car's worth. The, the the Baptist Church had to give her what was it an 87 sable? 86. Oh, no, excuse me. She was driving an 86 and olds and they gave her um, you know, some other car they gave her something was, else, yeah. Yeah, some other car uh, car 98 Mercury. 98 Mercury. I, I'm sorry, a 98 Mercury. We're not talking about a terribly valuable vehicle here. This no. one can't afford that. Nope. She Ridiculous. cannot afford it. So instead, she's fighting the suit with an attorney who has taken the case for free. Northport tried to cut down on code fights last year. I'm sure they tried real hard. Yeah. Offering we re- tried, but the money was too good. Look, they're offering to reduce <laughs> charges here. What are they supposed to do, Mark? Just make it so that anybody can just break the law and get away with it? You can't have people running around putting cars in their yard. Well, I can I can tell you this, that whenever I've had to deal with this situation, and having been a landlord, they always come after the person who owns the property, not the people who actually have the vehicle. And having to had to deal with this on more than one occasion, I've never paid them one red cent for this because they always make it go away. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll call the renters. In my case, where it happened to me on the BMW, I took care of the situation. Um, I turned the vehicle around so they couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pulled it into a garage, told them it was taken care of, and then pulled it back out uh, later or whatever nice. and sold it. But um, the... You know, they, uh, you know, you get it taken care of and they make it go away. So I don't know what they were doing in Northport. It sounds to me like the Northport, they were using this as a fundraising mechanism. And uh, so, you know, the, the lady couldn't get it moved or whatever. I don't know. Northport tried to cut down on the code fights last year, offering to reduce charges for those who'd racked up steep fines. But most, 79 out of 117, ignored the deal, prompting Northport to sue. So... It's a hell of a deal. You either take it or we're going to take even more from you. 800-259-9231. There's more about the neighborhood madness here. 1-800-259-9231. And stuff like this goes on across the country. It's just most of the time you don't see feature news uh, news articles about it because there are just so many victims constantly for stuff like this. It's Free Talk Live. 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free. Maybe you've got a code enforcement nightmare story you want to share. I'm imagining a lot of people do. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include our chat room. You can go there. Best time is uh, during the show. Find people there to chat with over at chat.freetalklive.com. If there's one thing that I could strongly recommend for you to get for your family's protection, without hesitation, it would be the Tiger Light T100 non-lethal personal protection device. Sometimes when you buy something, you, you just really um, you know, know that you've made a good decision. That's the case with the Tiger Light. You can go to uh, tiger.freetalklive.com. We've got they've got a special deal there for Free Talk Live listeners. It's uh, basically half price, and get the T100. I have one, Ian. Yours is on the way, and um, I think these devices are awesome. They're great. <laughs> That's right, tiger.freetalklive.com. All right, so we continue here, heraldtribune.com, talking about a story that isn't too uncommon. That is, there are variations of, uh, of the severity of these stories, but the story is about code enforcement coming after somebody who certainly cannot afford to pay their extractions. In this case, they're demanding over $27,000, but coming after somebody for something as simple as and as inoffensive as having a car in her driveway. Yep. You know, it's it's odd to me. I, I guess Northport. I guess they can the the city, the any municipality can have code enforcement, right? They they make up their own code rules and That's then right. they have enforcers for it. Because start ringing know, the cash register. When I um ha- every time I had to deal with it, and it was the next county up in Manatee County. Um, I, I always dealt with the county in this case, but I guess mm-hmm. I never owned anything that was in Bradenton proper, um, always right. in the, uh, the the county areas. But I must say, when in dealing with that, my nightmare was that the uh, the bureaucrat that worked there. I I talked to him on multiple occasions, probably a half dozen occasions, considering renters and the one incident I had. And every time it worked out very well, and I actually told him on more than one occasion that he was my favorite bureaucrat in the whole world. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> when you say it worked out well, what does that mean? M- meaning they gave me the piece of paper. I took care of whatever the 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 so they issue you a was. Warning. No, no, they 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 gave you a fine, but they oh, really? dismissed the fine. Essentially, so essentially, it's a warning with the, you know the threat of a fine if you don't take care of it. Kind gotcha. Of thing. Well, in this case, uh, the lady in question had a car that was not good for her, and the church gave her another car because she couldn't afford to buy her own car, and the original car was left sitting out in her driveway for, I guess, a lengthy period of time. There's some silly rule in the city's code down there in Northport, Florida, that that's not allowed. And so they started levying a $50 a day fine in early 2007 and made sure to make it retroactive. So once the uh, bureaucrats noticed that the car was there in the driveway, they somehow figured out when the car was first put there. Maybe right. they went and they looked at the license plate being transferred from one car to another or somehow found that that data. And then they decided, well, since she uh, 
I don't know how well, they no, figured it th- out. Th- what they do is they drive by. The code enforcers drive by. They see a vehicle sitting in the driveway. It doesn't have a license plate on the rear end. By the way, if you're not going to have a license plate in Florida, mm-hmm. turn the car around. Face it. Uh, you know, have the headlights facing out to the street. Um, but you know that that's how they find it. It's it's simple. That's it, you know it's it's very simple. So what you're saying it. is they found it, maybe sent a, a warning, and then uh, then when they decided to start living, the fine made it retroactive. I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm. That's I mean, what I'm a little they, confused Yeah, about. they found the car and then they came back after they figured out how long it had been unlicensed because right. it took them a while to find it. Uh, find it. That's that's that must be what happened. So what they've been doing is they said they were going to cut down on uh, code enforcement fining. Uh, so they went around and they made offers to all the people who had uh, been uh, racking up thousands of dollars well, it in fines. Says, it says here, according to our paperwork, that uh, you owe us uh, $16,000, but I'll tell you, I think I can make a deal with you here. If you'll come up with, uh, you know, $4,000, uh, I can make this go away for you. Huh? Yeah, and so that's what the deal was, and 79 out of 117 ignored their deal and prompting <laughs> Northport to sue. The city initially imposed the tough code approach to improve neighborhood appearances and quality of life. Because right, this is, this, wait, wait, this is the bull crap that goes behind this. Now, I lived in, um, as I told you, I, I lived in, you know, very nearby, and I had a next-door neighbor who had four essentially junk cars sitting there. However, these junk cars had license had plates. plates on them. Ah. My BMW got a junk car violation, but it because it didn't have a license plate on it. Now, is in Florida, is <laughs> all you have to do is pay fifty dollars, I think it is, to uh, to get a plate. It's yeah, cheap. Thirty six bucks a year. It's thirty six dollars to, to to get a plate, and yeah. then they have an even cheaper one for cars that are classics. Okay, so if your junk is old, you get an even cheaper uh, uh you know plate. This is it's right. it's basically a payoff to keep the junk around. Pretty much. And so mm. what they're saying here is that it's improving neighborhood appearances. So are, are we supposed to believe that a car that has a plate is somehow prettier than a car that doesn't have a plate? Is that what they're in, that they're suggesting? Well, the that's gover- just ludicrous. The government plate makes it, I guess. It makes it look good. It makes it look good to the government eyes, I yeah. suppose. Uh, yeah, because they see that and they see dollar signs, I suppose. But yeah. I guess if well, they you, don't see the plate, they still see dollar signs. You must admit that it's difficult to define what a junk vehicle is in yeah. the absence of this rule. Uh, like, I don't know how one – I know a junk vehicle when, when I see, see it, it right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, and and but I don't trust the government bureaucrats to see junk vehicles. And I also wonder, you know, what happens to the guy that buys the car of his dreams? He finds that 83 Grand National. It's not in exactly great shape, but he gets it there. He's going to work on it, and he's going to get it fixed up. And, you know, that next week the the, 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 the code enforcement people come by and say, oh, you can't have this here. Well, you need a garage is what you need. Well, absolutely, but not every va- not every house has a garage. No, somebody should be able to mm-hmm. somebody should be able to go out in their yard and work on their car if that's what they want to do. If they if you haven't signed in to buy a house in a deed restricted neighborhood where you absolutely know what all the rules are up front, then it's just it's wrong to do this to people. But it's happening all across the country. If you want to share your story, 800-259-9231. But there's more to this. 
the, the, they say that they adopted a policy in 2006 to take code violators to court if necessary. Last year, the city agreed to back off a little bit by responding only to complaints rather than actively seeking violations, which is typically how code enforcers work. Uh, is they just they just drive around looking for stuff to sure. uh, to ticket people. So, uh, but that's not it. They uh, they say here the get tough approach pumped up the caseload for a Sarasota law firm, Nelson Hess. City commissioners said they were unaware of the Pearson case, even though Northport has paid Nelson Hess more than nine thousand dollars to sue the woman. This, to me, is the next level of insanity. <laughs> They're paying wow. the lawyers to sue someone who cannot afford to pay their fines. Do you need the money in your budget or not? You've got enough money in your budget to throw $9,000 out to a law firm to sue one person? For 6000 This is how it goes. No, no, no. For $27,000. Uh, $6,000 $6, was the, the offer. offer. She did not respond to the offer, so she still owes them $27,000. How are you going to get $27,000 out of a woman who's got three teenagers and can't afford a car? Sounds like a very insane. clever way to shift money from one part of the budget to another. And to pay off your friends. To pay your buddies at yes. the, the law firm, right. apparently. you got to wonder who's hand, handing these cases off to this law firm and where they used to work. Everybody who's in any kind of elected official has pretty much been a lawyer. So you really got to wonder who's scratching who's back here. You don't get these things for free, you know? And they claim they don't even know. The city commissioners, this is how disconnected these people are. These people that are in the, on the city commission in Northport, they are so disconnected from the violence and the system that they're even a part of that they don't even know that their city spent $9,000 to hire lawyers to go after this woman. They don't even know. They're completely unaware. 800-259-9231. While Pearson's case may be extreme, officials say the city must make an effort to maintain community standards as it faces a raft of homes abandoned or in foreclosure. And that is happening all over Northport, absolutely. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind, and even in these remaining moments, enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. Whether you want to tell us your code enforcement horror story or bring up anything you can. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free on the site, so enjoy those. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. The whole list of things you can do to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations and into more ears around the world. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. The 12-year process of public education has a dramatic effect on the mind of a child. When we enter school, many of our best personality attributes are already in place. We are curious, innovative, unique, creative, and hopeful in many ways that many of us are rarely able to replicate throughout the rest of our lives. Over time, school sucks those natural gifts out of too many people and replaces them with predictability, obedience, and apathy. Oh, and it's funded by theft. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit schoolsucksproject.com. 
to learn more. 800-259-9231. We're talking about the madness of code enforcement, how one woman in Northport, Florida, is looking at $27,000 in fines. The city is taking her to court over this, and they're paying, city's paying $9,000 to a law firm, a private law firm, to take the woman to court to try to get $27,000 out of a woman who honestly can't afford to buy a, a crappy car to drive herself to work. She had to accept a donated car from her church. She's single, and she's got three teenagers to take care of, and the city is going after her, and it's not an uncommon story. These things happen across the country. People are assaulted by these code enforcers on a regular basis. Uh, I've I've spent time in jail over this uh, code enforcement nonsense myself, and uh, I don't think she's necessarily looking at uh, at jail time. However, they are possibly going to put a lien on her home, as the story from Herald Tribune points out. If the you know if she doesn't pay up, they say that they uh, they may put a lien on her home, and that uh, will limit any gain she could make from selling it in the future. Pearson <laughs> selling a home in Florida make it a gains. Yeah, right. She paid ninety six thousand dollars for the home when she uh, when she bought it. When was that? Oh uh, boy, let's see. She paid in two thousand two. Excuse me, ninety five thousand five hundred dollars. Two thousand two. Yeah, the prices really haven't gotten up to two thousand and two prices yet. So uh, she says, uh, at this point, she sees no reason to give the city the satisfaction saying, I'll die in this house. Good for her. So uh, it's on in Northport and in cities all across the country where desperate for cash, city government people are using any excuse they can to extract as much money out of everybody around them as they possibly can. And it's just absolutely outrageous, and I, I hope something changes. I hope that uh, people get together and stop obeying and stop paying these thugs. That's the one thing that's going to uh, put a stop to this. Yeah, okay, you can run for office and try to change the city from the inside, but that's going to take a long time. If we get people together who are going to non-cooperate and not pay, take things to trial, and make this make life a living hell for these bureaucrats, they'll stop. I think they'll uh, they'll stop aggressing, or at least they'll uh, they'll seriously cut back. Yeah. Of course, the only way to do that is to get people together and get them in the same place, which is why we're part of the Free State Project, freestateproject.org. Let's continue with your phone calls here. Let's talk to Matthew in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matthew. Good evening. Hey, what's on your um, mind tonight? I think if you talk to some folks in the professional world, especially in the uh, commercial plumbing side, they'll tell you some really scary fines that are out there. Uh, right now in California, they recently passed legislation uh, calling for uh, lead-free in all their plumbing products. And uh, the manufacturer, the uh, distribution center, the people who install it, the owner of the property, and the renter of the property can all be charged $2,500 a day per item that is found to be installed on a property that has lead in it. Now, are we talking about retroactively or everything from that point on? Everything from January 1st on, if a new product is installed and it's found to have uh, greater than one quarter of 1% constituent of lead, they can be everyone in that whole supply chain can be fined per day. Because the renter really knows about that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he, he or, cares what deeply. What the problem is, is uh, I deal specifically with backflow devices. And there's what one devices? government bureaucracy backflow. in uh, Sacramento that's saying you can't install uh, anything with lead. And there's another bureaucracy in Southern California that says you can't install any new backflow devices with lead in them because they're not approved yet. And then there's a city bureaucracy that's saying, you have to install a new backflow device or else we're going to turn your water off. <laughs> Government, 
the more socially acceptable form of organized crime. So how do you get a backflow device that doesn't have, have lead? Do back, all black, backflow devices have lead in them? I'm a little confused. Uh, well, they have the ones that are currently on the market have more than one quarter of one percent constituent of lead in the brass that's used in the device. So what we have to do is there are devices that are available for purchase that are not approved for installation uh, that have less than one quarter of one percent of lead. So what we have to do is we have to get a specific uh, recommendation from the manufacturer and get a letter of approval from the city to install a device that is not approved. So you have to get an exemption from the city to install a device that is not approved that meets the lead requirements from the, the state of California. Because the devices that they have um, that are approved do not meet the lead requirements from the state of California. Exactly. And the only difference between the new device and the old device is the amount of lead in right. the device. And this is a backflow. Exactly the same mechanically. Right. And this is a backflow device. It, it, it doesn't really... It doesn't get used very often. It's not like it's going to be leaching lead into the water supply or anything like is that. Is that the fear this here? This is like an emergency situation thing, is, right? I mean, is that what they're afraid of, is that uh, this is uh, the lead is somehow going to contaminate the water supply? Well, what's even funnier is there's actually a lot of lead piping around this country. And anybody who's taken basic chemistry understands that you can put water into any sort of vessel, and unless it's left there for a long time or heated or any number of other things, it will not actually start to absorb any ions from the vessel that it's in. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's solid lead pipes all over San Francisco. So this and is bad fact, science is what you're saying. This is based on fear-mongering. It's based on bad science. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible idea. And by the way, a backflow device operates all day, every day. Okay. So water flows through the meter the backflow device and onto a property. All right. I, you know, not, it's not like I'm just a homeowner, man. I just, <laughs> so I, that's why I was asking that question. And then Ian jumped in with another question uh, before uh, you know it, it really got answered. So, yep, yep. Thanks for sharing that tonight, Matthew. Anything else on your mind? Um, hey, thanks so much for your show. I really appreciate what you do, and I hope you uh, end up on the radio around here. I have to listen to you over the Internet. Oh, well, call your local uh, talk station and uh, ask them real nice-like for it, and you never know what will happen. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231 to Alex in New Jersey on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Alex, who wishes he was in New Hampshire right now. Oh, sorry to hear that. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I have a uh, story from before I was enlightened about the uh, code enforcement. Uh, We put up a deck on the back of our house, and uh, we had a friend who was a contractor, and he went to install it, and uh, he didn't have a license Uh to to be a contractor, and he didn't get a license to to install the deck or a permit. Mm. And our neighbor doesn't like us very much. Uh, In fact, he hates us. So he saw that we had the deck, and he called the town and reported us, Oh, and then this guy came into our backyard, and he started looking around, and eventually we were cited for it. Uh, and what they were going to make us do was take down the entire Tear the deck, deck down. Yep. and then rebuild it back up again, because <laughs> they wanted to make sure that somehow the concrete uh, parts in the ground were deep enough, were <laughs> a certain number of feet, like six feet deep. They wanted to make sure of that, so in order to do that, we would have to take the whole thing down, which is completely ludicrous. Well, and but, uh, the other thing is is that these people believe that they own your property to the point that they can come here and inspect your backyard without your permission. Just poke around. Yeah, they just just, just wander into your backyard yep. and say, oh, is this true? Most places you're allowed to build things on your own if you wish to do that. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it kind of makes you know, me I wonder. You just but, set up 
traps. I should just set up traps around the property that they can, like, you know, so they'll be hanging upside down from the tree. Yeah, well, they'll get you for that. Believe me. To... <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be very helpful. But anyway, it, so it what happened? worked out because uh, my dad has a lot of friends in the town who work for the government. Oh. And he went and he just he pulled some strings, got some people to make some deals. And the, How the nice guy for your dad. And, so, yeah. so because your dad's politically connected, he got out of that and got his de- didn't have to rebuild the deck from scratch. But anybody else would have been screwed. That's usually That's how it right. goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and, is and how I it goes. I even said, Dad, you felt safe with the way that the deck was originally constructed because we had to make a few modifications, just a few, just like add a post. Yeah, you know, that, just add a post. They, they, they only did that to make themselves look like they haven't, they weren't wasting their time. They, yeah, right. So uh, I said, well, you thought it was safe before the inspector came, right? He goes, yeah, but now all of a sudden you're. Uh, he he. What he did was he apologized for the government and he said, oh, I needed those posts to be there because it wasn't safe otherwise. Well, he thought it was safe before, but just because they bring it up now, it's. Uh, now, all magically unsafe. It doesn't make any sense. Alex, thanks for sharing that story. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. And it's another Edgington Post interview. And today I've got with us, uh, well, a big name, if if not in the libertarian movement, at least on this show. We mention him on a reasonably regular basis. So uh, I thought, uh, you know, since he had an article that was coming out, it might be a good idea to do this particular interview. And I have with me, and I'm going to try to st- say it right here, Stefan Kinsella. You said it perfectly. Okay. Um, Stefan, pretty much every time we say your name on the show, we say Stephen. That's okay. <laughs> I come whatever you call me. Okay. Now, you've got a new article out at uh, Mises.org, and it's called How to Improve Patent, Copyright, and Trademark Law. And since you're probably the only trade, you know, IP lawyer in the country that's a real libertarian, you seem to get saddled with, well, all the stuff that is IP law as far as, uh, you know, libertarian thought, right? This is exactly right. <laughs> and, you know, I know that you're you're probably a really well-rounded libertarian. However, nobody wants to talk to you about your thoughts on roads and, uh, you know, courts or uh, law enforcement in, in a uh, privatized world. They want to talk to you about what you think about patents, copyrights, and trademark. Yeah, that comes up a lot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do that to you again today. That's okay. So the the, the article is, is great, um, and it came out today at uh, Mises.org. And um, I, I got a I got an early copy just uh, because I well you know how could I schedule an interview without having an early copy? Um, yeah, you're connected. Now they've got you've you've got a lot of improvements in this article. You basically go over the idea of how to improve IP law without short of getting rid of it entirely because for whatever reason that seems to be abhorrent to people. And um, I'm all about believing that there's needs to be some inter um, you know intermittent steps between you know wherever here is and wherever freedom might end up. Absolutely. End up. 
So um, tell me about uh, – do you want to talk about them individually, uh, patent, uh, copyright, and trademark, or do you want to talk about um... – Well, why don't, let me back up and kind of talk okay. about the, the, like the purpose of this article and how it fits in with the sort of libertarian theory on this. Okay. Um, I mean, as I've written before, I believe that uh, IP law, primarily patent and copyright law, those are the two big offenders in the system. Um, trademark and trade secret law are also types of, of IP, but they're not really as problematic for libertarians, in my view. Um, I mean, ideally, they should be abolished for several reasons, which we've talked about before on your show and in other contexts. Um, abolition, of course, is not on the table. And now, in my view, you know, we're often accused of, 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 of favoring things that are not practical and only only taking all or nothing. And of course, that's not true. I think that. Um, um, any steps towards freedom is an improvement. It's just the problem is some things we do are not steps towards freedom, like, for example, you know, the voucher system and things like that. You know, when we oppose that, we're called uh, idealists or utopians. But the problem with the voucher system, for example, in my view, is that it's not a move towards freedom because it expands the welfare state. But something that's an unambiguous move towards freedom, I think, is a good thing. Like, if you cut taxes by 5%, that's good. Um, if you cut taxes by 5% on me and raise them by 5% on someone else, it's not unambiguously good. Right. Um, now, for patent law, um, there have been a lot of proposals for reform in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, it's sort of always hanging out there, and it's bubbling to the surface all, almost fast from time to time. The patent lawyers raise a big stink, and they say that there's radical reform. They're going to cut patent rights and all this kind of stuff. Um, so little gets done. And, you know, I'm a patent attorney. I practice. I keep up with this stuff. And I started a couple of years ago cataloging all the changes, and I was going to write about them to explain them to libertarians so they would understand the policy changes, you know, being proposed in Congress and what's going on. And it's pretty clear that there's almost never a serious change suggested. They're all little technical changes, and the patent lawyers make a big deal about them so that nothing radical will ever get, you know, passed. Um, and so... You know, I talked to some friends, and they're like, well, what should we do? And I'm like, well, we should abolish it. And they're like, well, if we can't abolish it, what should we do? And so I, I was thinking about it like you think of the legislative toolkit or the patent system. Uh, what knobs do we have to turn that would really improve things? Because there's a lot of changes you could make. So I wanted to focus on telling people, look, if you really want to make serious change, okay, here's what we should do. And so uh, that's why I tried to identify. And I focused on patent law in the article, although at the end of it I suggested some changes for copyright law and also trademark law. Mm -hmm. But basically, I went through a laundry list of changes um, for patents, and starting with the ones that probably would be the most important, uh, that could make the most uh, the most uh, improvement in matters. So um, do, you, do you want to go through <laughs> that list, or do you want uh, people to, to read the article? That way they'll get a clearer picture? Well, or? let me go through a few of them. Let me tell you okay. how I came up with the idea. I mean, so the idea is this. The, the primary justification that most advocates of intellectual property use, is, including libertarians uh, who favor IP, is, is they'll say basically you have to have this as an incentive to produce wealth and, and uh, innovation, basically, mm -hmm. in terms of art, artistic creations, which is copyright and, and inventions and scientific and technical things, which is patents. Um, and the, the basically the implicit idea is that um, what they say is when you – Add a patent when you have a patent system, it increases overall wealth in society by 
expanding the amount of innovation that there would be that there otherwise would be. And it, it and, and I have been on that side of the argument in the past. Right. Um, and I, you know, essentially after our convers shortly after our conversation, I have abandoned uh, most of that too, simply because I believe in intellectual property. I just don't believe that the government is the best, uh, you know, organization to protect it. I think that it uh, it it causes disastrous results when um, one uses the government um, apparatus to protect intellectual property, and I and I can see those disastrous results. I just think that. I think the two biggest areas that people worry about the most, or at least the ones that I did, uh, were blockbuster movies and drug patents. Exactly. And and that's a consequentialist concern, which I can understand and respect, and which a lot of libertarians have, and they, they blend that with a principled approach. Um, but focusing on it the way you did, I think, helps you see the sort of problem with libertarian advocacy of IP, and that is that unlike other forms of property, like uh, you know, just property rights in land or uh, inheritance rights or roads and things like this, you could imagine these things existing in a private court system or a private society without the government. But it's really hard to imagine patenting copyright existing without the government to support it. And if you try to think, well, it could be created by a private uh, contract regime. Like, for example, Robert Hessen has written some interesting stuff uh, a couple decades ago showing that uh, corporations could, uh, or something like a corporation, could exist merely with an assembly of private contracts. So if you took away the government uh, limited liability grant and the government incorporation statutes, you could still have corporations. So you could see how in a private society that thing would still exist. But for copyright and patent, some people say, well, it's, it's a type of fraud or it's based upon the contract, what you stamp on the book. All these kind of arguments, what they're saying is you could have IP by private contract in a free society, but the problem is IP by its nature, what we have now, affects third parties. And you can't do that with copyright. So basically, unlike other other institutions we have that could survive in some form in a private society, patent and copyright cannot. So I do think you're right. That's one way to see that it could not uh, exist in a private society or in a libertarian uh, private court system. Well, I, I, I think it could exist in the sense that it's yours if you can protect it. <laughs> Correct. So um, if, for instance, I am a large drug manufacturer and I come out with a drug that, you know, it took up mi- millions and millions of dollars of uh, R&D, hundreds of millions of dollars of R&D, which – by the way, those hundreds of millions would still pale in comparison to the the even more hundreds of millions that I would have spent trying to protect that going through the um, and going through the FDA's system. So, um, you know, if you one has to figure that in, um, a lot of R and D at this point is going through the governmental systems and um, the the IP attorneys, right? And and all that stuff. So, right. And and so well, so let's let's go back to this utilitarian rationale. People, you know, they. I mean, look, I think it's a respectable argument to make, although I think there are some problems with uh, with uh, the utilitarian approach. But if you're serious about this, then you would think you would have reasons, you would have a, a evidence for this. If you say we need a patent system because it creates wealth, then you should be able to answer the question, well, how much wealth does it create? In other words, there's a cost of the system, and allegedly it produces benefits, and the difference between them is allegedly positive. What is it? No one can tell you. They really have no idea. It's well, not if, a serious argument. I, I understand, but if the libertarians make the opposite argument that uh, intellectual property uh, stifles the um, the marketplace, once again, you cannot quantify, um, especially in that case, a negative. Um, 
so you know you've, you've got a you've got an equal and opposite argument on the other side. That's true. And if, if we only had utilitarian arguments to make, it would it could be a stalemate, except for the fact that all of the studies that rely upon sort of standard uh, empirical or utilitarian um, or wealth maximization type arguments, they pretty much all conclude that the patent system is either. They either conclude that they can't prove that it does anything good, or they conclude that it, in the sector we looked at, it's it's a it's a harm. Now you're right; you can't always uh, um, prove it or disprove a right. negative. But well, the studies the studies lean against what they're trying to show. Right, and I and I, I would like to say, um, from a standpoint of of somebody who comes from a utilitarian thought process. Um, and that's that, it, that. That's where I'm coming from. I believe, from a utilitarian standpoint, we should get rid of government-sanctioned uh, IP law because it stifles innovation in the marketplace. And I guess the proof was is Mary Ruart writes in in her book Healing Our World, and um, I think it's the new edition where you know she used to work in the medical field prior to them really pushing uh, the pharmaceutical in the pharmaceutical field prior to them really pushing IP law and really using IP law. Um, right. And she, you know, said that innovations were bigger then, and um, and and people, you know, it saved more people, more innovations yeah. came about. Yeah. That it was bigger then, so that cuts out of the two giants inside the IP argument, which are drug companies and blockbuster movies. It cuts one of them out. And my thought process is a utilitarian. I love blockbuster movies. I really enjoyed Avatar. But um, hey, you know, it, even if it doesn't work, and you know, maybe it would, right? But even if it doesn't work, I'm willing to let blockbuster movies go in order to have uh, huge innovations in the area of uh, medicine, pharmaceuticals, and things like that. Yeah, and I, I mean, in a way that's similar to the the principal argument a lot of libertarians take towards things like uh, I remember when I was sort of learning libertarianism 20, 25 years ago. You know, I was attracted to the argument by uh, Greenspan <laughs> at the time <laughs> and Rand about, say, antitrust law. Their argument was not primarily uh, consequentialist. It was, you know, you have the right to sell your products for whatever price you want, even if it's bad for consumer welfare, according to what some uh, some economists would say. So right. it's first and foremost a principled approach. Um, but, you know, I, 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 so what I did was I, I said, listen, if we want to make some headway, let's come up with an argument that that should satisfy even the concerns of you know honest advocates of IP who have utilitarian reasons because they all believe that there, the copyright term should not be infinite and it shouldn't be zero. They think there's some kind of optimum curve somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and I and the I, government can find it. Yeah, and they think we're close to it or we're there for some reason, and although they can't prove it. Right. Um, so but, presumably, but they keep on changing it. I mean, the Sonny Bono law took uh, took what was probably the optimum number there um, or close to the optimum number for songs and expanded them out to, what, 99 years? Exactly. And God And God knows when, when what they're going to expand it out to after that. I mean, the person who wrote uh, – the, the, the family of the people who wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer are never going to work again. Yeah, and and it's, it's you know one of the researchers I quoted in the article is a guy who talks about uh, you know he, he refers to this as the Laffer curve of innovation. They think we're on say one side of the peak of that curve, you know, uh, although they have no reason to think that. And not only that, like patents, for example, cover things like plants, um, and regular patents cover um, pharmaceuticals, like you mentioned, but also software and. Uh, mechanical inventions, electrical inventions, and it gives them all the same term, basically, about seven, roughly 17 years. Well, that doesn't make sense. How about five years for one, seven for the other? I mean, you would think there'd be optimal curves for each one. Sure. So it's a one-size-fits-all situation uh, problem. But it seems to me that if your argument is that, um, number one, you, you wouldn't want to you know, make it 
add the death penalty for uh, for for patent infringement, let's say. So that they must think that some some remedies would be too strenuous that we don't need to go that far, or they don't want to make it a 50-year patent term. So they obviously think at some point the cost would outweigh the extra benefits you get. Well, my argument is that if they don't have actual numbers for justifying where we are right now, then if I can say, listen, if I reduce the patent term by 10 years, we know that would reduce the cost on the economy significantly. So that's definitely a gain, and we have no reason to believe that it would be a significant um, uh, loss of uh, uh, incentive effect for innovation. There would still be some incentive effect for innovation. So. To my mind, there's there's no basis for an advocate, a utilitarian advocate of IP to oppose a modest reduction in some of these costs, um, as, uh, unless it's obvious that it would, uh, you know, have a significant reduction in the incentive effects that they favor. Right, and and, and, and the thought and, process there must be for them if we reduce the uh, the years that uh, a patent is protected, that well, at that point, that a company has to roll out and uh, very quickly and make its its uh, recoup its R and D money in a in a, a very short period of time. So that'll be better for the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's all kind of compensating uh, costs here, and. Uh, um, you know, so 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 let me just mention a few of the top things I, I proposed, and we can talk about a couple of those. The first one would be to reduce the patent term, as I mentioned already. Uh, and you already have mainstream advocates like Jeff Bezos, the, he's the CEO of Amazon, or the Amazon CEO, proposing like a three to five year patent term for software patents. Anyway, yeah. Um, and you know, he what's the point? Has... In anything longer than that? I mean, are, are, are they afraid that somebody's going to steal Windows 3.1 and trot that out on the marketplace and steal their uh, um, you know, the, the Microsoft's position with exactly. a 10-year-old operating system? Exactly. And you know, you could say the same thing for copyright as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with movies and things like this, I mean, the bulk of the profits are made in the first several years. I mean, if you had a 10-year copyright term instead of 120. Uh, you know, you would still have a large incentive to make these movies to recoup the monopoly profits you're able to, you know, to extract. So, I mean, uh, it, but it would greatly increase creativity, the public comments available for people. Uh, it would free up, uh, you know, uh, it would solve so much of these orphan works problems. Um, What's an orphan be, work? The orphan works problem is that there are, I think, millions of works out there that uh, p- people cannot identify who the owners of copyrighted works are, even to contact them to ask permission hmm. to copyright. The, and these things are basically out of print, they're dead, but they're sort of in limbo, so they're trapped by the uh, the fact that the copyright system is automatic. So the copyright, unlike patents at least, where you have to apply for it, so it's clear what the patent is on right. and who the, who, the, who the owner is. For copyrights, it's just if you find a written work out there, uh, you may not know who has the rights. You may not. You may not even know who the author is, or if you do, how to contact them, or who has the rights. Yeah. So this is a huge problem. This orphan works problem. This is what Amazon is dealing with in part with their attempt to uh, uh, to their Google Books project, their Google Print project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, in a way, they're hoping that they're you know they're hoping to be sued in this class action settlement, so they can get a judgment from a court saying they're they're free to go forward with this with this scheme. Otherwise, it's in limbo. You know, um, but. And so, in addition to reducing the term, another thing you could do is you could radically cut back the scope of copyright on patents. That means the types of inventions that patents cover. They used to cover sort of, you know, basically methods or technical processes and contraptions, inventions, apparatuses, you know, yeah. machines or devices. And now they cover um, uh, software and uh, business methods and things like this. Um, you know, if we got rid of, we rolled it back to the way it was. You know, 20 years ago, there'd be much less scope of patents to cover um, copy. I'm sorry, uh, software, which is already covered by copyright, 
and uh, business methods. And in fact, you mentioned the pharmaceutical case. This is the case that's mentioned over and over again. If, if that's really the you know, the, the example that's given over and over again, why don't we just have patents for pharmaceuticals and for nothing else? Right. You know, uh, let's, let's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, software really should fall into the copyright area because a patent um, a patent is on something, and I don't, I don't even have the, the, the verbiage to, to properly express this, but a patent, you can uh, you can cross a patent, you can get on the wrong side of a patent, you can get sued for a patent infringement if you go some if you invent something accidentally and it's the same. Whereas a copyright, two people can create the same work um, you know, accidentally and they haven't infringed on each other. That's correct. Yeah, copy, so copyright basically pr- gives you the right to copy. So if yes. someone else doesn't copy your work, they're not infringing your right. If they, so if they independently come up with the same solution for a software problem or something like that, it's probably because there's only a few types of solutions for that problem, and they right. each came up with it. A patent cover is functional. It covers the way something works or is, is configured. You don't have to be a copier at all to be liable for patent infringement. Uh, it's just if you're doing what the patent describes, you can be liable. In fact, you, you might have independently invented it before the patentee filed his patent. Yeah, it doesn't have, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And so, um, you know, uh, so you have these, like, big chemical companies and people that they have trade secrets. They keep their some of their processes secret, like they have these nozzles for mixing chemicals and things like this. And they keep them secret for, you know, 50 years maybe. And they they make a great product. No one else can quite match the yep. quality of this and that's perfectly fine. That's sure. their right to do that. They have that big. In, they, they have that big to do about the uh, the the old formula for Dr Pepper. I think it was last year or something that mm-hmm. it came out. I don't know if you you heard about it. And and then prior to that, it was the uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken's original herbs and spices. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 uh, grease stained copy of the Colonel's original writing. Uh, you know that they had that they were moving under lock and key. You know a caravan of fifty. Uh, you know uh, armored trucks driving right. along, moving this very important important item that's intellectual property there's no doubt about it but the government isn't doing anything to protect it well and so that is what people the, the problem is under the current ip regime if you rely upon something like that okay now not so much the kfc case because that's not really a patentable thing so you're not in danger of getting shut down by a patent from someone else usually but but in other cases let's say you have your 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 chemical mixing process as a trade secret and you're yep. doing it for a long time some other guy comes along, he invents it independently, he files a patent on it, now he can stop you from making what you've been making for 30 years. Yeah, it's r- ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, uh, and, you know, and you ask these advocates of IP, well, or even like Ayn Rand tried to justify this kind of practice. Like, well, you had a chance to go to the courthouse, and it's like, well, I didn't want to make it public, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so, and if you think about the pharmaceutical case, which we were just talking about, um, Okay, if we give them a patent. Now, some people would say, well, if you give them a five, a five-year, ten-year patent, well, it takes five years to get the FDA approval. That's not fair. Well, first of all, the patent law has a built-in extension. It kind of gives you an extension to make up for time you, you lose on the government regulatory process. But this sort of raises the question, why would you trust the government to give you the right incentive to make up for the regulatory delay that they've imposed on you? And to help you have enough profit margins left over after the government has robbed you through taxes and regulations and uh, impoverishing society so there's less consumer demand in the first place because they're regulating and taxing them. I mean, it's just ridiculous. How about advocating getting rid of the state regulating and taxing you in the first place? How about abolishing the FDA? And then we wouldn't have to make up 
you know, give you a, a monopoly patent grant to sort of make up for the damage we're doing to you with these other programs. <laughs> well, that's how the government that how, that's how it work, constantly works for the government. The government creates, um, you know, the government solution creates a government problem, so they have to have another government solution, which creates another mm-hmm. government problem, which you know, it's just constant. Controls, free controls, and not only that, yep. the government passes antitrust law, which says it's illegal to, to to abuse a monopoly position or to try to get a monopoly position. At the same time, they're granting monopolies, and so the courts say, of course, there's a tension in the law. <laughs> there's a tension <laughs> between the patent law and the antitrust law. Right. They don't say this is stupid. They say there's a tension. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, they say, well, yeah, it looks like you're violating the Sherman Antitrust Act, but on the other hand, the government gave you this monopoly, so you can use it, but you can't abuse it. And so then there's all these, um, um, uh, you know, uh, further regulations about what you can do with this antitrust law and this patent law. Um, and it's just a big government mess, and, and it's, it's hard to fathom why libertarians of all people would be in favor of this. Of this right. So now um, let's go on to uh, copyright, and uh, then um, I, there's there are very few solutions you've got here for uh, trademark. But um, let's go on to t- the copyright. You, you suggest in your, your first uh, solution there is to radically reduce the term from life plus 70 years for copyright, yep. to uh, which means that basically you're uh, you're you're making it so their their children, their grandchildren, maybe even as far as their great grandchildren, don't have to work, which yeah. is ludicrous. Yes. To yes. And, um, say 10 years. Uh, and, and on the other side, for works that don't have a lot of value, they're basically just tied up. I mean, you, you yeah. encounter this mentality even among uh, scholars and people like this. You know, I, I think I, I, I mentioned – I talked to some scholar the other day who uh, has a book that was published 25 years ago, and it's out of print. It's hard to find. He's not selling any copies, making nothing on it, but it's sitting there in paper. And I, I asked him, well, why don't you just you know put a scanned copy up on your website? And he's like, oh, well, I, you know – I because that's not fair, you know. I mean, I'm not going to let people have it for free. It's like well, that means you want your ideas to stay trapped, you know, trapped in this volume. It's, it's sure. this, this mentality that doesn't uh, help anyone. But yeah, um, yeah but so well, it's sort of should... bred into them. And and I, I came across this once too. I found a it was a short story and a compilation of liberty. It was a liberty short story, of a science fiction liberty short story. So you can see how obscure it is. It's it's both liberty oriented and science fiction so it's mm-hmm. it's bizarre and um I, I can't remember the name of it uh, off the top of my head but i, I think it's from uh, visions of liberty by published mm-hmm. by bain publishers or you know the, i think it was the book before that one in that compilation anyway mm-hmm. it, it, you know it's it's a few pages long 30 pages long or something mm-hmm. and i tried i wanted to read it um as a an audio book for my audience mm-hmm. people aren't getting this they're not you know the, the book had been printed quite some time ago mm-hmm. it was sort of mm-hmm. out of print if it's sitting on any shelves um it's been sitting there it's it's been collecting dust for years there mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of years there um if it, it was if it was sitting on shelves the author had been dead it was compiled into this book okay and the um so i had to call some lawyer in england and then that lawyer called me back gave me the you know some other lawyer in new york I don't remember exactly how it went, but basically they told me no, you know, you can't read this book. And right, so I and it didn't really do them any good to do that. Right? There's, there's no people aren't the, the the family isn't making money off of this story. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's absolutely ludicrous. All I was going to do is read it and give it away. It is, it is ludicrous. Um, um, I, and I think another change we could make that would be a, a big improvement for copyright would be uh, instead of. It's hard to it's hard to really believe this is the case because it's not pointed out this explicitly. But right. under the current regime we have now, since the I think since the late eighties, um, you no longer have to put a copyright notice on a work. In fact, it doesn't do much good to do it. Yeah. You don't have to register it. 
with the copyright. You only have to write it on a piece of paper or fix it in some, you know, some medium, and then yeah. you have a copyright, yes. whether you want it or not. And it's almost impossible to get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, you can't just put a notice on there saying, uh, I don't have a copyright in this, because you do. Yes. You do have a copyright. And so but the, a big change in the copyright law, in my opinion, would be to make it um, opt opt-in instead of opt-out. In fact, there's not even an opt-out right now. But or at least give you the ability to opt-out um, to opt out if you wish by putting something on there that says that you've opted out. That would be a simple change. It would be great. Right now, you have the Creative Commons. They've tried to make this thing called uh, CC0, but they're not sure if it'll work in, mo- in every country because you know there's no consideration for this contract or it's not really there's no there's no other party you're just putting a notice on there what if you change your mind and yeah. you know it's not a signed contract with the reader so these things are have uh, doubtful validity um so there should be a way to opt out but better yet there should be a way to uh, there should be no copyright unless you request it and apply for it uh, so basically, they should change it to the more like the way it used to be. You should yeah. have, have to have active registration, and it should expire like in 10 years unless you renew it, and you should have a limited number of times you can renew it. Right. So that and would be a big improvement. I'd like to point out that there are all kinds of important works of literature out there that people are reading and enjoying that book publishers – just publish with you know no rights at all. I mean, I, I, I you know Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Treasure mm-hmm. Island, uh, Mark Twain's works, all these things. I saw one recently where somebody wrote. Um, they wrote a book with Tom Sawyer, uh, Tom Sawyer and zombies, mm-hmm. and it was they they credited Mark Twain as the author. Mark Twain, excuse me, uh, as the author along with the the other author. So he sort of. <laughs> you know, took chunks of Tom Sawyer and then mixed zombies in or something like right. that. And this is, a, you know, an amazing creative bit of work where, sure. uh, you know, the the uh, descendants of Mark Twain are, are jilted out of their rightful earnings. Because, right. you know, with his lifetime plus 70 years, well, I, I don't know how close that would put us to today, but it seems like I mean, he was around like, in the 1850s. So well, I mean, if you think about it, of course, it's obvious that Everything we do in life that's technical or creative or innovative or artistic builds upon things we've learned. Basically, human life, human society progresses because we have an accumulating body of knowledge, artistic knowledge, you know, literature, uh, scientific knowledge, (laughs) and we build on that. And thank God that it's not uh, uh, that it's not uh, scarce like property is. But thank God it can be transmitted from mind to mind and built upon from generation to generation. Sure. So Is, basically, copyright and patent law seek to hamper learning yep. and transmission of knowledge. That's what it seeks to do. Absolutely true. Can you imagine if every electronic and if device? You think about it that way, I think it's, it, it shows how how ridiculous it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to go through a few more of these specific examples. Um, yeah, go I ahead. Could, are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to let me mention the, the so. You mentioned trade secret earlier uh, as a more innocuous uh, practice, and I agree it is. But even the, basically the state corrupts everything it touches. And I didn't mention trade secret in here because it was mostly about patent, and I didn't, you know, it was getting overlong. Um, I deal with trade secret and trademark pretty extensively um, in my longer piece against intellectual property. But even trademark and trade secret are corrupted by the state's influence. For example, the way trade secret works is, Let's say you and your employees have a contractual agreement to keep something secret, and one of your employees uh, uh, leaks it to his friend at a cocktail party or mm-hmm. to a competitor or to his new employer if he leaves. If, if the secret is still containable, if it hasn't gotten out to the world at large, the court can issue an injunction against these third parties and tell them, you can't reveal this, and if you do, 
you can go to jail for contempt of court. So basically, the court steps in even there and enforces these rights against third against third parties. But at least there's some basis for the for that idea. Uh, you know, it's based in the original contract, yeah. although it's extended by the state. And trademark law has been corrupted beyond um, uh, 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 its original foundations. First of all, trademark law for the libertarian ought to be based upon fraud. Yeah, that's where I'm, I see it um, as, as a fraud issue. If but if somebody... it's fraud, the plaintiff is going to be the customer who's defrauded by this guy, not the not the other right. company who's not involved in the transaction. But one might think that um, that the company which has an interest in protecting its uh, its trademark might take up the case in sort of a class action yeah, manner yeah, for yeah. The, the 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 people who are injured. For instance, yeah. if somebody puts out a cola, calls that cola delicious Coca-Cola, yeah. and um, then I drink delicious Coca-Cola, and it, and it in fact tastes like licorice, and it, it, I, I'm, I'm horrified by it, but it was only 50 cents. So I yeah. spit it out, I throw it on the ground, and I walk away. I haven't been, you know, like I, I may or may not come after that company, and then what, what are my damages in a, in a, in a world where they give uh, real and, and good you know, and fair damages? Yeah, and I agree that I agree. I agree with that. And you would have to have a more a more extensively worked out theory of class action that's libertarian compatible to go with that. But you could imagine an argument that look in a private society, um, the the real victim of the crime is the is the defrauded customer. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to pursue this. We can presume their consent to grant sort of a, a, an implicit uh, consent. To the uh, to the trademark holder to represent them. Okay, you could you could I could see that. But in that case, the argument would only be for cases of fraud, basically, which is the case you described. But it would not cover all these other cases of knockoffs. For example, yeah. the Louis Vuitton or the Rolex watches. These people are not defrauded. They know yeah. that they're buying a knockoff. They want to buy a knockoff because it's cheaper. In that case. You could not uh, use the theory you mentioned to justify the kind of trademark actions we have now. Sure. And, and furthermore, trademark law has been extended about uh, 15, 20 years ago with something called dilution. So now, uh, under, under normal trademark law, you have to show that the consumer is uh, basically um, – there's a, there's a likelihood of confusion. You know, He's basically almost defrauded. But under dilution, you just have to show that this other company's use of their own mark might dilute the value of your mark tarnish it or something like that. So this is the basis of all these trademark claims you see nowadays, and it's completely illegitimate and not grounded in fraud at all. Makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, I have to say that it, it seems silly to be going after people that are selling, you know, jokelies or, or whatever um, knockoff thing. Now, if they're selling it as... Or the, or the South Butt, I think, was the recent one, North Face, South Butt, something I don't even like know. that. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Because no, one, you know, no one, no one's going to think the North Face is the ones really behind the South Butt. You know, yeah. it's sort of a play on words. It's sort right. of a joke. Makes sense. Um, right. So, so st- I can mention one more here yeah, that uh, I have written down here. Well, first of all, we can. Get, I think we can all agree. All libertarians should agree that we should get rid of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act provisions, which are sort of part of copyright law now. This is basically um, what they did was they said, um, "Okay, it's illegal to copy something that's protected." And it's illegal to um, to dec- decrypt, you know, uh, uh, copyright prevention techniques like encrypted works. So you can't you can't in- unencrypt a you know a, a, an encrypted DVD. Uh, okay, you can see that as an extension of copyright law. It's not a good one. And then they say, well, what if someone is selling a device that could be used to do that? So now it's basically a criminal or offense to sell a device that other people could use 
to decrypt. So I guess every computer is theoretically a dangerous weapon now, right? Yeah. Because they can be programmed to decrypt things. There was this uh, at one point this uh, PlayStation Two device that allowed you to to get cheats and stuff and on games and uh, you know probably play games. I think they were copied or something like that. I don't know if you you know what this device was called, but I I don't remember. But um, it was basically a, a hacker gamer device, and you had to well you actually had to solder the thing in yeah. in order to make it work. And that thing would be illegal. I haven't seen one advertised in a while, so it probably did become illegal. Yeah, they call them anti circumvent technologies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so you see all these, it's like you said earlier, breed, patrols breed controls, and to enforce these arbitrary and unjust laws um, that are basically artificial schemes, of course you have to keep finding more. I was telling some friends the other day about one, um, uh, one of my friends said, well, um, uh, you know, I was explaining that um, uh, it, it's hard to get protection for um, like Lego blocks or Trivial Pursuit cards, you know, you could sell something like that that works for this game as long as you don't, I mean, there's no patent on it, there's only a trademark issue, and as long as you don't pretend like it's authorized by the the maker of Trivial Pursuit or Lego, you can sell a block that says this block will fit on a Lego set. It's a true statement. And they sell them. They do sell them. Yeah, you can do that, and, and, and um, in, in America, at least, you can have comparative advertising. You can actually mention the other competitor's trademark as long as you don't do so deceitfully. Uh, right. So you can say, you know, Coca-Cola tastes better than Pepsi. They can actually say the word Pepsi in the ad. I think in Europe, Europe you can't do that. But what, what you'll have people do is, like, you'll have uh, – the reason laser cartridges, for example, are so expensive for, for laser printers, um, and this is how – HP and these companies make their monies off the cartridges, right? Just like the razor blades of these safety razors. Mm-hmm. What they do is they will intentionally invent a pretty small or trivial in circuit or invention that they can get a patent on. Something that you really don't need to do this, but they get a patent on some little circuit that measures something. And they'll put, you know, half a circuit in the cartridge and half a circuit in the machine, or they'll put all the circuit in the machine, and you have to have that in there for the machine to work. Basically, they make a product, they put a patented item in it on purpose that you have to have for it to be compatible with the laser printer, so that if anyone sells a cartridge, they're infringing a patent, right? Yeah. And so what people started doing was they would say, well, I'll just buy it from overseas. So Congress patches the patent law and adds an importation thing. They say, well, okay, well, I'll make just part of it overseas, I'll put it, part of it here, and I'll put it together here. So Congress passed a law that covered that, to cover that loophole. So people keep trying to find ways around these these crazy laws, and, go, and the government keeps trying to chase them. It's just like um, you know, people find ways around tax loopholes, and the government patches the tax code to catch what they're doing. Yep. That's how it goes. The government's always got a new solution for a problem that it created. Um, it, it, it's amazing. Now, tell people where they can find this article at uh, Mises.org. Uh, it was, it's at Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S dot org, and it's, it's on one of the Mises Daily articles that was published today on the 20th. And I always have links to my articles um, on my own website, which is com. S-T-E-P-H-A-N, Kinsella, K-I-N-S-E-L-L-A dot com. Thanks very much, Stefan, and uh, I hope to have you on again soon. Thanks, Mark. I enjoy it. Yep, thank you. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. 
This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.